Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we look back at the films in 1999 from an Azerbaijani oil pipeline here in 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. I'm Phil Eskov. And today we have with us Eric Carrasco, a Supergirl writer, but his career really didn't take off until the two-part Star Wars The Phantom Menace episode of Podcast Like It's 1999. Really put him on the map. The podcast where we talk about the films in 1999. Eric. <laughs> We're really just uh, chasing our own <laughs> tail right now. I know. I know. Back it's, into the lead. Do you want to go back to the throw from last week? This is the Rod Lola Rod episode of podcasts. <laughs> so, um, but this time we're going to introduce Eric. Eric, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. Hi, everybody. Thank you for coming back. Um, this time it's going to be a one parter, I think. But we'll see how we'll this goes. See. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Challenge we'll accepted. See. We could do our Sophie Marceau. Yeah. 50% yeah, and sure. our Dr. Christmas yeah. Jones. Dr. Christmas Jones. Jones. We do have to talk about the two complete distinct movies that exist inside the world. It's not enough. Crazy. So that we could do one yeah. episode. It really each. does kind of feel like two different movies. It, it's bizarre. Yes. <laughs> In a great way. In a good way. I, I, yeah. I, I liked this movie when it came out. Now, admittedly, I'm not a big Bond guy. I know that Kenny and I are both sort of... I'd say Kenny and I have probably seen the same amount. I might have seen maybe a couple more, but both of us, I don't think I've seen a Roger Moore one all the way through. Um, I've seen a couple Connerys, maybe a Dalton, but I'm basically a Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig Bond fan. And, That's basically where I'm at. And I've seen the four Brosnans, the four Craigs, and Moonraker. Ooh, um, a bold choice. Moonraker, and I think I've also seen. Um, 
enough of what was the cannonball the uh thunderball Thund- the thunderball yeah. remake with old Connery. oh never say never again i've seen yeah. enough of never say never again which for some reason i think that always got played on hbo or whatever yeah, because it was, like it was made by rotation it was made by a different company yeah so yeah they got like the rights just to that one book is that yes. how it works yes kevin mcclory uh was in the bahamas or something with ian fleming mm-hmm. and they came up with the idea for thunderball together and then Ian oh. Fleming went off and wrote it. They made a movie. Kevin McClory sued. Got oh my God. partial like producer credit and stuff on Thunderball, the movie, obviously, but then also got the rights to remake Thunderball. With Connery. So he could have remade Thunderball as much as he wanted. And so they did it with Connery in direct competition with How, Roger Moore. What was the box office that on that mid-80s, one? That was mid-80s, right? Was that like a view to the a view to a kill? I think. Something, or, uh, you know, it might have been later. I'm trying to remember which Roger Moore it was competing with, but I, th- I feel like it was 1983. I'm just I, I'm I'm looking at Roger Bond Moore here probably, real quick. It probably was in the mid 80s. Now well, you know better than I do. But I thought Dalton was kind Dalton of Dalton was late 80s. Late 80s, 89. We're gonna go. Through. Dalton is yeah. Dalton is 80. Yeah, he's we're gonna go through all of these. Yeah, I think we really should run through. I just want to. I just want to be very. I just want to just for what we just talked sure. about this. The Thunderball, never say never again. Um, truthfully, they so 65 Thunderball. Yep. One comes out. Never Say Never Again comes out in 83. Thunderball One. That sounds like Comes a- out in 83 and and makes $7 million less. Like literally yep. almost the same amount of money was made by both of those films, which I think is kind of amazing. Now admittedly, you know, yeah, one's 63 in million. Money. Yeah, Thunderball was a tremendous. 63 million in 60, what, 65 is a fuck ton of money. Yeah. But it's, it's just interesting to look at this list of the most successful ones and it's, I mean, it's the ones you would expect, which is basically all the Brosnan Craig ones. Mm-hmm. Spend a lot more money, make a lot more money. But uh, right below Goldeneye, which is eighth on the list, is Moonraker at seventy million. Seventy million in nineteen seventy nine. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it uh, looked vaguely he, like Star Wars. Yeah, he I went guess, to Star Wars. James Bond yeah. goes to space. Fucking terrible movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> but it's kind of amazing in how terrible it's it is. Kind Cool. It's kind of cool in retrospect because it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. But I saw that in high school and thought it was the dumbest, worst looking movie I've ever seen. But, sure, sure. But, but let's. But, let's, let's, but I, I think this is actually a good way to talk about Bond. The dumbest, worst movies we've ever well, seen. Well, no, just. No. I, I mean, oh. in, I, I mean, he. As a, as a char- First of all, we should talk about how flexible this character is. This piece of IP that has, that has spawned 25 movies, 26 movies. Mm-hmm. And. Walks a fine line of camp and not traditional I mean, action. Traditional action, gritty action. If you'd even call it that, spy movie. Yeah, um, it, it's just it's very interesting. It, the, the 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 spectrum of these films, I think, is is pretty fascinating. I also think it's not an American thing, and yet it does quite very well here. Fucking clearly, not an American thing. <laughs> yeah, but that's and for it to do as and well when they as they try it does, to do concessions to like. A lot of Americans watch these. It's Christmas Jones. Yes. It's Christmas Jones and a Tomb Raider. Right, 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 right. Like right. it's like you it's guys like this shit, right? Like, yeah, yep. So. But I just, I, it, it, it is sort of fascinating to me, you know, how global a property this is. You know, it's 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 just it's it's really interesting because you think about the fact that like Skyfall, which is, I think we'd all hopefully maybe agree that it's it's definitely one of the best Bond films. I think it's my favorite, probably, if, if I had to. No, my Casino, favorite, Casino my, Royale. I like Skyfall better than Casino Royale. I like okay. Skyfall better than any Bond movie because I think Skyfall is the only one that actually reckons with James Bond, the character. 
and makes him into uh, whether you like the direction of the character, they they do flesh him out. Yeah, yeah. Casino yeah. Royale does too. I think those two together. Do I think a, they're the, I a think lot they're, yeah. for the. It's my second favorite, yeah. Casino Royale too. Casino Royale is, and I, I saw. I, I basically like like with a lot of film properties like this. I would say I know a, a much more than someone who has never seen these movies because I've read so much about them. Yeah, I'm pretty familiar with the plots of most of these movies. I'm familiar with the history of James Bond. Um, having not seen it, I have a pretty good sense of who James Bond was. And basically, he is a – Eric or Phil, whatever, correct me if I'm wrong. But he basically seems like a part that you can fit into almost any espionage situation. And it's very clear, it's very simple what he does in these situations, right? He, They're very clean stories for the most part. Yeah, he he's, he solves some international I mean, there, mystery. There are some that for sure get pretty busy. This is one of the good plots as far as they go. There's like the world is not enough. Yeah. yeah, there's the there's the type of villain plot that is the Goldfinger and World is Not Enough plot, where it's a bad guy that just wants to profit. Yeah. And they will damage somebody else's goods and services in order to make their thing more valuable. Yeah. And those are always the cleanest Bond stories. And whenever they get more complicated than that, you well, that's when you get to quantum you lose it in the middle, like, and you're yeah. like, "What is going on?" But yeah. also, it doesn't matter because you're just going set piece to set piece. I mean, it's I, I just I just very quickly just want to just go back to what I was saying, which is um, about the global quality of this of this character. Skyfall made 1.1 billion dollars. Which is a shocking amount of money for a movie that I really enjoy, but I can really only think of one set piece. Like the, the opening house? is, I guess that's a set piece. But you, you just, yeah. it's it's a yeah. beautiful movie. It is a, a spectacular looking film. It's it's very sort of it's very grounded. It's really well made. Uh, as you, to your point, it probably gives the most flesh on James Bones. Uh, James Bone. James Bond's bones. <laughs> As a character, My dog was James Bond, <laughs> and it made a, over a billion dollars worldwide. It's crazy to me and that that movie made that like much a, money. A drama, yeah. It's a, it's it's a fucking no, drama. It's that, see, it's not crazy to me. Okay, those are the movies that make money. That's the reason Black Panther but made like China. Yes, those are the, the movies that actually don't condescend to their audiences mm-hmm. and go deeper into the characters. Those are the movies that make money. That's why Marvel's doing so well. That's why Black Panther is such an enormous hit. Yeah, but those movies have big, big action sets. Well, for pieces. sure. But so do so do so does everything DC does. So does almost everything yeah. Marvel does. So does everything you see in the theaters these days. But I think the reason that the the Black Panthers, for instance, are the ones that are breaking through is because they don't condescend to their audience. I think Skyfall doesn't condescend to, the, to its audience. Casino World, none of the, the, right. the Daniel Craig's really do. Whereas like this movie that we're watching now, the world is not enough. We're, we're talking about now. As there's Eric a lot of whiz bang out. in the movies you're talking about. Sure, but there's a lot there's of whiz bang in everything. There's not a lot of whiz bang in, in, in Skyfall is kind of my point. Again, yeah. oh, I, I think there is. I, 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 there's like, you know, there's the, the underground chase and there's like, there's stuff, but it is a, it is a lot slower than, than most, most Bond films. Yeah. I, just, By if, the if, way, if, the other ones, yeah. the Mission Impossible's right now. Mission Impossible is oh, just yeah, get the, better, better, better every bigger and bigger and bigger too. I mean, the, the sheer the scope and the shit that Tom Cruise does. I don't think crazy. that's why people are going to see them. I think people expect that. I think people are going to see him because he's an aging Ethan Hunt, having to deal with the fact that he's getting kind of it's getting more difficult and more difficult every time. I out. think it's why we go and see it. I think that's why more people go to see it. Is, is what I'm getting at. Maybe I, I, more than anything, I think that James Bond is a is an interesting piece of IP. And I think that as we as we move into what seems like the next phase of this character post mm-hmm. Fuganaga's movie that, that they're I guess making I don't I, who knows who 
Sure. It Who's seems it seems like they're making it. Um, the first non non British director as well, which is interesting. Um, That's shocking. Yeah. It's kind of shocking. Well, they haven't uh, first. He's American, right? Care for yeah, yeah. It's first American director because Martin Campbell is not British. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, so I mean, it, it, it's interesting that they're doing that now because that opens them up to a lot of filmmakers that would not have been considered potential helmers of of Bond. But all that being said, Craig has made it pretty clear this is the last one he's going to do contractually. I think it's the last one he can he's contracted for. So. What's the next phase of this character? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's you know. Is it a woman? Is it you know someone of color? I don't know. But we'll see. Um, I'll be curious to see what the next phase of this character is because this iteration, which I think we all agree on, is the most rich version of this character. Yeah. Do you, but it tends to yo-yo back and forth, right? You get right. you get Connery, who's a little more serious, and then. As the movies go on, they get more and more camp. Yeah. And then Roger, you know, you get these little blips where it's like, we did a campy one and now we're yeah. going to do a really serious Honor Majesty's Secret Service yeah. one. Like, yeah. and then we'll go to Roger Moore and he'll do, every once in a while, it'll balloon out to a Moonraker and then come back to something more grounded. And that keeps happening. It went all the way to Die Another Day, which is as big and bombastic and stupid. And most successful. As you can of, go. Of, of movie. Yeah, and it was a massive, massive success. Massive. And they still were like, maybe let's tone it down anyway. It's time for the Born Identity approach in mm-hmm. Casino yep. Royale. So, sure. like, I don't know what they do now because you could keep going with that same Daniel Craig style. Or you could be like, it's time for a more Roger Mori fun. Yeah. You made an fun. interesting point, though, right there. Several. But one that I find interesting is, all right, so we're going to tone it down. Or we're going to tone it down and make a Born Identity-esque Essentially, it's 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 essentially a series at this point. Yep. Bond is a lagging indicator. Bond is not an innovator, right? Or, or people haven't innovated with Bond. I would say, as far as I can tell, like ever, right? They, the Pierce Brosnan movies kind of look like early '90s action movies, and then you put Bond in them. These Daniel Craig movies kind of look like Bourne movies, then you put you put Bond you in them. Plug him into movies. So I wonder yeah. if there's. I, I would like to see something innovative with this character. Oh, yeah. In yeah. in the 60s, they were the innovation, right? Sure. Like, they kind of helped cement the action structure that so many things have used now. And yeah. Goldfinger set a template not just for this series, but for spy movies and action movies True. and all kinds of stuff. And then after that, like, into the 70s, like, you have Roger Moore's first movie is uh, inspired by black exploitation movies. And Which you, one? Uh, that's uh, Live and Let Die. Mm-hmm. Um, and Timothy Dalton, you know, does a really great Bond film that I don't think gets enough love, The Living Daylights. But then his next one is like full drug running in Miami. And well, it's, it's like I mean, that's, that late was, 80s. Yeah. And they just did a Miami Vice episode as a James Bond movie. So they are often a little bit late to it. It's, I mean, it is interesting. because I, I was talking to, to Mel, um, my roommate, as I was watching. I'm not sure if she had seen The World Is Not Enough before. But anyway, we were watching it. And... We're both like, you know, Nolan has, has on many occasions, Chris Nolan has said how he'd love to do a Bond film someday. I don't think he'll ever do it. Um, and I don't necessarily think it would be a good career move necessarily for him to do it. Still want to see it, though. But I want to see it because it does feel like, your, to your point, he's one of those people that I feel could turn it on its head in some way. Show us another side of this character or another side of this universe that could be really fascinating to see. But I don't know. So, all right. So... Th- the thing I would say about Bond, and you can kind of con- contrast this with Batman, mm. um, 
I think Bond is kind of boring. I think Bond is kind of a cipher. Um, and I think he's kind of the same character in every movie. I do think that there was a bit of a um, investigation of who this character is and why this kind of person exists mm-hmm. in these Daniel Craig movies, which is why I like them and why I think they're more valuable than the previous movies. But Batman, on the other hand, is someone who is so layered and so rich and so adaptable that a Burton Batman makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Even a Schumacher Batman makes perfect sense to me. And these Nolan Batmans make perfect sense to me. Now these current weird Batmans don't, don't make sense to anybody and kind of misunderstand <laughs> this character and like the value and, and like the value and power of this character. But um, I, I would – I almost feel like if, if a Nolan or you know a more auteur-y director came to, to Bond, they'd almost be, have, to be, have to create a character from whole, whole cloth at that point. Which is fine, which I'd like to see. They, well, I mean, you there know, certainly have been some missed, right? Like Steven Spielberg wanted to do yeah. one forever. Obviously, that's how we got Indiana Jones. Yeah. And there was a point, I think he, this might be apocryphal, but that Steven Spielberg said, you know, they wouldn't let me direct, they wouldn't let me direct, and now they can't afford me. And <laughs> that has happened to the series of Bunch. Like, yeah. Quentin Tarantino wanted to do one, yeah. and, you know, and the well, one, there were, there Peter was, Jackson Peter was going to direct was, this one. was attached like, to or this. Or they won, yeah. Well, loosely attached for a moment. I mean, there's a part of me... The, the filmmaker that comes to mind that might be the best or the worst idea for this series is Edgar Wright. Someone like that that has such a, a specific visual style, has a kinetic sort of like larger than life, you know, just, just a very sort of, I think he's an, an incredibly exciting filmmaker, but that would be a Bond film like we had never seen before. So I want to ask Eric, I'm a little aware or slightly aware that the original Casino Royale was kind of a spoof on Bond. Is that? Oh yeah, the the yeah, the original Casino Royale with Woody with Allen, Niven, Woody Allen, Allen and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And as far as I can tell, that's the only time that they kind of did almost an Edgar Wrighty thing with it. it I stepped outside. It's out of that's kind home. of what I'm yeah. getting at. I mean, we're about to see inside this or, or enter the Spider Verse, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, which is clearly doing that. Yeah. Right. Which is clearly taking this Spider-Man mythology, blowing it up, bringing in. It seems like dozens of elements that have never been introduced cinematically before. And I wonder if Bond could try something like that. Yeah, they've certainly done – right? Like Die Another Day, they threw everything at the wall because it was the 50th anniversary of Bond. And so it was like – but it was all nostalgia-based. It was here's the dagger from Dr. No and here's all these different things. And the yeah, they talked about like all the characters showing up. Like in this, there were rumors because this was gonna. I, if I if I remember correctly, sorry, I have it here. It's supposed but it to come was out in two thousand. Supposed so. to come out in two thousand. It was supposed to be called Bond two thousand, um, which is just <laughs> insane and we awful. We should do a podcast just about things called two thousand. Initially, the film was re- was to be released in two thousand and rumored to be titled Bond two thousand. Other rumored titles included Death Waits for No Man, Fire and Ice, Pressure Point, and Dangerously Yours. It's, Dangerously Yours. I, I like Death Waits for No Man. That actually kind of sounds like but this is a great title though. Yep. I mean, it is. other than when he super, says it in the script. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it really is his family motto, like established by the film series. So if you go back to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, there's this whole thing about genealogy and family trees in it, and like he has to. Anyway, it's very important that James Bond have his family motto, and you see his family crest and stuff, and it's the world is not enough. Well, it's the family motto, cool. which is what's on Alexander the Great's tomb. Also uh, cool, which is super <clears throat> dope. And so, this many decades later, they call that out as the title, and it's, I think it's one of the best Bond titles. So. <laughs> I, I, I mean, 
I just think it's fascinating that there was that there was a moment, and I don't know if it was in this one or if it was in Die Another Day, where they wanted all the actresses of previous Bond women to like show up. It was going to be like this cavalcade of like Easter eggy bullshit, which I don't think anybody wants to see. But I, but your your question, and it, it seems to in terms of like, can someone deconstruct this sure. property? I just don't think the Broccoli's will ever allow it. I just think that they're so yeah, it's a family hemmed into and this very narrow definition of this character. It's a bummer. They should. <laughs> I agree. They should. And you know, you know, you know what a great model is. Archie Comics, right now. Sure. Archie mm-hmm. Comics, go, running along fine for 60 years. Yeah. And I don't know, what was it? Within the last, what, five years, six years? When did Roberto take over Archie? Archie Comics. Well, yeah. he started as the, as the actual comics That's themselves. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it was probably like Afterlife with Archie and stuff like that. And yeah. the new six, Ar- seven years ago, maybe? Yeah, Something six, like seven years yeah. ago. I, I, it doesn't seem like they needed to do this. They just yeah. said... Let's, let's deconstruct it. it. Let's have some fun yeah. with it. Let's do some things that aren't canon, frankly. Yeah. Um, and what they, do we have to lose as well? Kind of, you know, well, I, I, a little lose? bit of that. I, I, but I feel that way about Bond too, because you'll always <clears> be able to plug and play Bond yeah. in a you know globe trotting espionage movie, mm-hmm. but doing it a different way. Uh, and I'm not saying genre like Archie did, but just any kind of other way of looking at this character. Would be really exciting. They've never even really yeah. like. There's a bunch of stuff from the books that they haven't even touched, right? Like yeah. in the books, James Bond's got a housekeeper named May. Like, I just want to see that. Like <laughs> the May movie. See, like yeah. the the James Bond walks downstairs and eats breakfast with his Scottish housekeeper May is the movie that I want to see. I will say something though, that that's like is... the Teen Titans joke with the Alfred movie. Yeah, <laughs> I still haven't seen the Teen Titans. Oh, it's movie. great. I hear it's great. Yeah. Uh, this does sort of kiss up against something that did kind of proliferate the internet. I think it was shortly after Spectre where we started hearing of a Bond verse of them wanting to make movies, a money penny movie or an M movie or, and start trying to like peel off these characters and give them their own movies, which again, I'm not necessarily against because it does feel like there's an opportunity they should there. Try. There is an opportunity there, but the opportunity is only if they allow them to be interesting, right? Like, yeah. it's only if you, and not to get back to Star Wars, but I do think it is a little bit like, you're going to do these movies, the the solos and the, the rogue ones or whatever, if you're even going to do these anymore. If you don't allow them to be their own animal, and they're just going to have to feel like the other movies, then I don't really know Bo- what the point Bond is. Bond has something that, that Star Wars can never and will never have. Um, there's, there is no... There is no mandate to be part of any continuity. Mm. So if you that's true. If you did an M movie, hypothetically, just do whatever you want with you it. You could set it today. You could have anybody player, um, and you could have a really great, cool movie. You don't have to have that bullshit with Solo, where we have to set it forty. <laughs> we have to set it thirty years before the events of you know the yeah. events of A New Hope, yeah. and you know he's not going to die, yeah. and you know all that stuff. That, that's that's kind of lame. And don't get me wrong, you know I liked Solo. I don't mean that. I just mean like there's no stakes to that movie. But I think you can do this in Bond. I think that's one of I think that's one of Bond's best attributes. That's the weirdest part disagree. of this whole film series, though, is that until Casino Royale, they were all the same continuity. This this yeah. this is Sean Connery. Like it's all the same man who had all the same adventures, and they refer back to stuff like the world is not enough, or like, and they started to do it less and less as time went on. But 
It's very, it's, it's very loose though. It's, it's, I, it is a, I remember when, when Craig's Casino Royale was greenlit and there, and, and you heard the stories, there were some not great stories on set in terms of some injuries and just like, it was yeah. just not a particularly smooth shoot. And it was a, it was a revitalization of this character. It was a big swing. No one was sure if Daniel Craig was the right guy. There were a lot of people that didn't like that casting. There's a lot of stuff weighing on that movie. That's why they're so worried about making another And one. I would be too if I yeah. were them because you you have a film series that is so closely watched that people hear a rumor that Daniel Craig can't drive stick shift and they freak out. Because Bond, Brits and it's love like, Bond. Like, what did you think just about? Just try to change something bigger, right? Yeah. Like I, I understand yeah. why we've never met a Scottish housekeeper, mate. <laughs> do, do you remember what your um, thoughts were when Daniel Craig was announced and cast as a Bond fan? I, I'm I'm very proud of the fact that I did not hate the Daniel Craig casting choice, mm. partially because I didn't know enough about him. I had literally only seen him in Layer Cake. Um, well, it turned out I'd obviously seen him Munich? in Munich, Perdition and Munich and stuff, yeah. but I didn't like, I guess I didn't identify sure. him from those. The one where he stood out to me was Layer Cake. Um, and so I was like, yeah, he seems like he could murder people. And that is like <laughs> the most important quality is that like, that is a thing that always, I grew up on these Pierce Brosnan ones and I kind of still, because I love all of these movies in their own strange ways, I also really like a lot of the Roger Moore stuff, but neither of them really feels like they throw punches with any sort of conviction. Here's here's another Bond question for you. What do you feel is the most, I don't know if important is the right word, or the attribute about his character that is most important to you? That there is some sort of damaged person underneath mm. that leads to like the cruel layer that is right underneath the charm, right? Like that, it, that there is a danger to him, even in just the way he walks across a room. And which is that's why what you, Daniel Craig has. I was just going to say, this is why you love and understandably love these movies. I, I guess the reason I ask you the question is because I imagine some people would answer that with he's suave, he's cool, he's a classy motherfucker and that he's got cool gadgets and that yeah, he has sex with lots of I love all that stuff. No, no, I do too. The glory but. shots in this movie of the Omega Seamaster, I'm like, I'm there for it. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm there for the watch porn of these movies. There's a lot of watch porn in this There's movie. There's so much. But I, I, I asked that question because, and Kenny and I, we texted a little bit as I was watching it and, and you know, I don't. I have an affinity for the character. I enjoy it, but it, it, it's. I'm also. I don't. I don't love it. I wouldn't lay down in traffic for it. But there's. There's a lot of enjoyable things about him, and and I think what I enjoy about the character is the effortlessness of him. I think is is enjoyable. The idea of a guy who can wear a tuxedo and and kick ass at the same so, time. Okay, so here's a question: In this movie, yeah. his boat goes underwater. And there is a moment that he fixes his belongs tie. to Pierce Brosnan yeah. where he straightens his tie underwater. Yeah. Is this a moment that you love or is this a moment that you don't? I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm I'm pro-straightening the tie underwater. It's goofy, but, but I is, enjoy it. But this divides mm-hmm. Bond community, right? Oh, like, does it? it? Like, moments like that. Like, moments There's where... There's a handful of them in this movie. Moments where this person cannot be scathed by anything. Yeah. Uh, really, bug- And it seems like yeah. Daniel Craig tries to go another way. And that, to me, is the whiplash of all these Pierce Brosnan movies is that they don't I love them, and they don't quite know what they want to be. There are parts of them that yeah. are so serious and grounded. The, the Brosnan and movies. Yes. yes yeah. all, the, all, well, the first three Brosnan movies, I can't talk about Die Another Day, really. <laughs> but the first, even the beginning of Die Another Day, though, like the first Brosnan batch, they all have this tendency 
to see if we can be have some psychological realism. World is not enough hurts Bond. That never happens. It's just a little collarbone injury, but like that fucking meant something because James Bond never gets hurt in these. So like they tried for some realism and then you just wildly yo-yo and give him x-ray glasses (laughs) that are hideously ugly and they only x-ray one layer of clothing to show you but but not underwear obviously but they keep the underwear so they can't go through that that's well that's just what that's that's how they were designed (laughs) yeah (laughs) clearly the one layer of clothes and it's just like it's it's bananas and it's like full 60s camp and you can tell that like pierce brosnan is just acting so hard and he like he is too much but like i think he's at his most lecherous in this movie as well there are Line deliveries that is so thirsty. Yeah, it's that not you're just like, fault. dear God, man, the dial it back a little. Especially bit. with the cigar girl and the, oh my God, the cold I open. I, I was like, it's the, it the immediately sexually harasses like, her. This is gross. The sexual innuendos and the the phallic imagery. Oh, it's insane. And now, obviously, that's kind of a hallmark of Bond, which is <laughs> wonderful. That doesn't really bother me, but but it's over the top in this movie. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. There's a couple really great innuendos in it. And then I like, there's a couple places where they play with it in an interesting way. He brings the cigar back from Spain. I did not like that he scene. He puts it on Moneypenny's desk. I like that they played with it a little bit because it is so forward that she then says, she looks at the cigar and, and she, she goes, I know exactly where to put this. And you're mm-hmm. like, holy shit, it's, got, it's gone way too far this time. <laughs> yeah. And then she throws it in the trash. And it's like, oh, they played with my expectation that this movie was going to try and outdo itself with innuendo. And then they pull it back only to, in the very last line of the movie, go the furthest. Go the f- and it's the best. I, I mean, oh, I, the last line's great. I, oh, no. I love, oh, no, I no, love no. the last line. It's, I mean, it's so. I'm with Kenny on this. It's like, that. look, I think the Dr. <laughs> Christmas Jones, I think naming her Christmas is so stupid. But For one joke. It's so reverse engineered. They came up with, they, they made themselves laugh with this last line, and then they're like, we got to name the whole character Christmas. No, no, I, uh, of course. And, and you, it, it's one of my great pet peeves to, to make a crazy decision like naming the character Christmas, and then immediately undercut it by having her like, no jokes, heard all the jokes. Yeah, it's I like, know. own it. Own it. <laughs> this, like, yeah, wrap your arms around it. this character Christmas. <laughs> You know, I would have appreciated if she'd gone up to Bond and been like, I'm challenging you to come up with a Christmas joke that I haven't heard before, but please keep trying. Try through the whole fucking thing. That movie. would not but. have been a line Denise Richards could have delivered. No. That had more than no. And that we will talk about Denise Richards. We my, will. My lovely, wonderful Denise Richards, who weirdly It's not her fault. Who can only play arch characters. Yeah. If you give her anything like even remotely in the world of this person exists. Yeah. She can't do it. She can't deliver a real line. But drop dead gorgeous. She is fucking brilliant. She also, I mean, she is weaponized in Starship Troopers as well. <laughs> For what it's worth, I mean, that's just an all around great movie. That upsets me. It upsets. I that when I live, I hate that thing about Starship Troopers because I love that movie, but I hate that thing where like all the smart guys get together and talk about that movie and they're like <laughs> they cast all these pretty idiots. Like that's so unfair to me. They're like, they, well, you, they, you have all these characters and everyone sits, no, really, that everyone sits back and they're like, this movie works because these pretty morons didn't realize what well, they were doing. Fuck no, you. No, 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 that's not what I was saying. I, no, no, I'm not okay. saying fuck you, Phil. <laughs> I'm saying fuck you to like, like that's that's the, the party line about that movie. It's like Casper Van Dien's an idiot. And, and well, but I do, I mean, Denise I, Richards is an idiot. And these morons, these morons who think they're in like, you know, Star Wars are the But reasons. I think that Paul Verhoeven did intentionally cast certain 
at the very least aesthetic individuals because he wanted to make a, essentially a parody or, or a, a deconstruction of propaganda movies. So I don't think so he that wanted strong jaws. He wanted like, strong yeah, jaws. He wanted people that looked a certain they way. Pretty, but it, all, it also mattered contextually for the movie. That right. They looked the way they look. And the characters are inherently pretty stupid. Like I don't necessarily feel as though they're written. I, my point is I hear where you're coming from, but I think there was more intent behind it. And people that make fun of, I, 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 and by the way, I'm not making fun of Denise Richards. I think that he saw something in her that he I wanted. I didn't mean to the, come at you. No, no, no it, I know, it, but I'm but it's, just, just making it's, it clear. It's a, pet, it's a pet peeve I've always had that when people talk about that movie, yeah. this, it, there's this like, there's this smart guy thing yes. that they're like, these morons thought they were in like, you know, Star Wars or, or some people of love ones. the narrative that the auteur director has somehow fooled the actor actor yes. into yes. doing something love the story that the shower water was actually freezing yeah. because it gets a real reaction like lo- like and it's just a narrative that people but really i will like say on that about. there's an amazing coen brothers story which i think i've told you i might have even so you're one you. of the people who love this what <laughs> the thing you, you, no 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 yeah, no, yeah. no this this I, i'm yes but also this story basically the coen brothers offered brad pitt the role in uh burn after reading where he plays a moron and he read the script and he apparently reached out to them and said, I'm not sure that I can play someone this stupid to which they said, you'll do fine. (laughs) Which which I think is amazing, but also just, yeah, directors think they're smarter than actors. And, and sometimes there is that, that can play into it. I guess directors might be smarter than actors sometimes, Sometimes. but But not, not unilaterally. we're We're all in TV. And we we all work with actors on a regular basis, and I think people who don't work with actors think they're just a bunch of morons and pretty idiots. Sure. It's so hard to do what they do and do it well. I agree yeah. with that, 100%. And there's a weird thing that the world fe- seems to feel about actors, which is simultaneously that they're just dumb and pretty, and also that they are somehow able to Perfect. come up with all of their dialogue themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow those two thoughts can coexist. Which is amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, we all work on shows where like, the aesthetic value of these people are, are is, is is very important to getting the show getting these shows made. I think I think it's certainly more important in broadcast than it is probably in cable to a certain extent. Um, but again, I don't I don't I mean I don't know. Don't don't we all like looking at aesthetically pleasing things? Yeah, I mean super, that's sort of, so. I think you know, it's important. No yeah. judgment. I'm not. Which again is it. the James Bond film series. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't exactly. want to segue us back. To no, but James but thank Bond. you for doing so. Let's get. Uh, <laughs> but they are, but can we also just say it? I think this is the handsomest Pierce Brosnan ever was. This is the year of Brosnan. This is Thomas Crown Affair Brosnan. Kenny's favorite and movie. Well, not enough. Thomas Brosnan. Crown Affair. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> I like this better than that movie. I think <laughs> not. Not saying you give it a twelve. That doesn't say very it's much. So I gave it a twelve. Low. Yeah, I just re-listened to the it's episode. An awful movie. It's so unreasonably um, low. It's that you so rated low. It's not this that is, bad. This is so much better than that movie. Um, I mean, I agree with that. It's so much more fun. But I also enjoy Thomas Crown. Um, and it's so much. It's it, it's so much more in control of what it's doing than than I think Thomas Crown is. I think Thomas Crown. I think I think Thomas Crown. I think. Who directed Norman? Oh, um, no, it's uh, John McTiernan. Oh, John McTiernan. I think John McTiernan thinks he's in control of this bus, and he wakes up and he's like, "How did we? How did, how did we? we wa- yeah, how did we wind up in the middle of the desert when I was going to like the Bahamas? Yeah, like, yeah. it makes no sense." Okay, yeah. so that movie sucks. This movie's great. Pierce Brosnan is gorgeous. He, he looks is, very good. He, is, in this movie. he looks so he's good in a suit. Truly, like the best looking man. 
He's a um, very good looking. It's man. crazy. Just from just from a, like a traditional movie star point of view that I can imagine. He also he kind <laughs> of he kind of bulked up a little bit too because Goldeneye, which is my favorite Brosnan, he's quite slender in that movie. Yeah, he looks very very he looks very a, lean. And he, he looks, looks too lean, and he's not that young in that movie. Yeah, but he looks he plays really I young. Think he's around in forty. That. Um, he plays very young in that movie, he and then he's so much younger up, than he I is. I think he gets bigger actually in Tomorrow Never Dies is when he starts to. Yeah. He looks a little bit fuller, and then in this, I think he's, yeah. And then in, weirdly in Die Another Day, he's crossed some sort of Rubicon, and now he's just really old and weird looking. Yeah, he got he got <laughs> old immediately. I need help because I didn't do my research. Sure. Which one is Halle Berry? Die Another, Die Another Day. Day. Jonathan Price too. No, that's Tomorrow that's Never Tomorrow Dies. Dies. That's died two times. God. Died two times. <laughs> Those who listened all the way through the last episode will get that joke. Um, I, uh, I can't differentiate those movies in my head. Uh, okay, Tomorrow so Never Dies, I don't love. Tomorrow Never Dies. That's Michelle has, Yeoh and evil uh, Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, and it's the best bad guy plot of any of the James Bond movies, which is that he wants to start World War III. Not oh, to, for the ratings. Just so that he can have his 24-hour news Smart. network. Smart. He, was, yeah. he wanted to found the CNN-style news network, and that was all he wanted. But that, for this, that, he had to create... World War Three using a submarine that was also like a Norelco shaver that could like yes I remember that punch all right so that's submarines. a great plot and it has it has the motorcycle chase scene where they're handcuffed to each other and Michelle Yeoh and, and Pierce Brosnan do you remember this we so I uh, I should rewatch that it's maybe it's better than I, I it is better than like you remember, but it is not as good as Goldeneye and I yeah. don't even I. I think a lot of people think it's better than this one. Weirdly, like this one gets a lot of hate. It does. Um, I think probably I because really of Dr. Like Christmas Jones. Yeah. Not maybe. kidding. But, um, yeah. but, all right. So what you just, what just happened here really explains my issues with Bond. Mm. I don't care about the, the, the chases for the most part. The only chase, the only action sequence from any Bond movie that ever resonated with me was the first one in Casino Royale with the parkour. That was totally different and totally cool and really actually cool. like had an effect on me. It was like Jackie Chanish. Um, but all the other ones just, just mean nothing to me. They're really? Just, yeah, they're just chases. They're just action. I basically know what's going to happen. And sometimes it's exciting. I thought in this movie there were some really cool ones, especially yeah. the first 20 minutes of this movie. Right. But for the most part, it's boring to me. The villain plots, and I like that you keep coming back to them. A great villain plot will have me forever. That's, I mean, that's how <laughs> – that's mostly how you talk about these movies, right? Like mostly – I love View to a Kill because Christopher Walken's the bad guy, and mm-hmm. it's I've never seen that one. Well, what was his? It's so worth saying. What was his? Um, it's basically this. It's basically the same plot. He's going to do something to Silicon Valley so that his tech company will oh, step, step three profit. That's awesome. It's <laughs> at one point he drops. A, he has a secret meeting, like the classic. Blofeld style conference table meeting, and yeah. someone's mouthing off to him, uh-huh. and he like. He's like invites the guy to like leave if he if he so chooses, and the guy's walking away, and he drops the floor out from under him, and you realize that entire scene was taking place in a giant zeppelin over San Francisco, and he That's drops fantastic. the guy at the bottom, and you reveal That's you were in a awesome. zeppelin the whole time. I just watched Rocketeer yesterday. I mean, so I'm I saw Monster Zeppelin. Rocketeer You're all again. on dirigibles, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, the greatest villain plot of all time is Superman one. Um, there's land. not not even a question. Just land. What's that? Just land. Just yeah. profit. Yeah, profit. Just, pro- just, just uh, we'll kill just, as many people as we can for a really clever way to get rich. Because that I kind of believe. I mean, look, we're living through a presidency where this guy will literally kill as many people as he can because that's what's happening here, or as many as he has to in order to profit. Like it's very clear what's happening to me right now. Like that's what. Oh, it's hundred. I don't want to get too. I don't want to yeah, get yeah. into some shit that I like think I know. But he is a. He kind of is a Bond villain. 
I mean, he, he we have a Bond villain running our country. We just right now. we just don't have a Bond. But no, no, but not yet. So I love the villain plot, and I love villain plots where the villain is just looking to make so much fucking money. Like I love Die Hard with a Vengeance. I think Die Hard with a Vengeance oh, yeah. is yeah. so good because at the end it's like, oh shit, you just wanted to get rich. That makes sense to me. <laughs> but, I mean, Die Hard War- 1 is great with that too. He's reading off the names oh, of I love the terrorists oh, and stuff. And then he's like, I read it in Time Magazine, right? Like that yeah. he yeah. doesn't it's care. He's not a true no. believer. It's not about the terrorism at all. He just wants what's in the safe. I like, think Die Hard 2 great. is basically – Revenge, which is sometimes it's great. The Rock, I think it's amazing. Like I love Ed yeah. Harris. Like that, I love, I love The Rock. But you can't I can't shake his... your head at The Rock. It's one of our finest movies, and also kind of stealth of James Bond movies. I, I, I like The Rock. The Rock is my favorite Michael Bay movie for the sure. The Rock and Die of the Vengeance are my two favorite action movies, maybe ever. Wow. Yeah, but, no, not mine. But I, I, I appreciate. I mean, I, I love Die Hard One more than Die everyone Hard, loves Die Hard One. I think I, I think I, I take and a I love Lethal Weapon. Than you. Okay. I love the first day. So the synopsis of the world is not enough. Just so we can. This is the best. I love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what minute are we on? We going are, we've forty minutes in. This is right. going in all the directions. And welcome I to, to podcast like it's nineteen ninety nine. The synopsis of Johnny. the world is not enough. Uh, James Bond, played by Pierce Brosnan, uh, must race to defuse an international power struggle with the world's oil supply hanging in the balance. Electric King, played by Sophie Marceau, is Great the name. daughter. Great name. Uh, is the daughter of a murdered oil tycoon whom Bond is assigned to protect. The villain, Renard, played by Robert Carlyle, who has a bullet lodged in his brain, rendering him unable to feel pain. Also featuring nuclear weapons expert, Dr. Christmas Jones, played by Denise Richards. A lazy synopsis from Google on this one. Really, really lazy. Uh, it said also featuring? <laughs> <laughs> I, like sitcom opening credits. Yeah, she got like the Denise end. Richards. <laughs> uh, the World Is Not Enough opened on November 19th, 1999, in first place with $35.5 million against Sleepy Hollow, which notably came in very close second. Both those movies made. Are we ever going to do that movie? Someday. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. We'll get someone interesting, I'm sure. I don't know. I'll talk about it. It'll be fine. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, just to sell you guys on that. Uh, but they both came in very, uh, similar numbers, which at the time for two movies to open above $30 million was a, was a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, it would go on to gross $361 million on a $135 million budget, making it the highest grossing of all the James Bond films released at the but time. But they, you know, they got like the, the budget thing that they got on this movie, right? They got a hundred million dollars worth of product tie-in. Well, there's a lot of. So product. they got a hundred million back from the That's glory crazy. shots That's of crazy. Bollinger champagne and Smirnoff vodka and honestly, Brioni yeah. suits. And stuff. I hardly noticed. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really making a joke. It's, I one of the, it's one of the best. Yeah. Like besides, like the, the fact that you know that. Oh, sure, that's a BMW. Like. They did a good job. They did a really good job not taking you out of the movie, which even Casino Royale, as much as I love it, it's like, boy, that's a Sony Ericsson mm-hmm. cell phone. Like, uh, So $135 million budget in 1999 is probably about $200 million today, which is a lot of money. And I, and, and I have to say, for the majority of the film, I didn't really know where it was. Like, there's a lot it of... It was pro- not on production design. It was not on production design, that's for sure. It also, I guess, a lot of practical stuff was done here. So the the scene that jumps out at me is uh, near the end when you have the helicopters with the blades, with mm-hmm. the the saws on them or whatever. That was all practical builds. It looked like so that shit looked real expensive to me. Um, and and I guess it took them forever and a day to do the um, uh, the Tams chase scene yeah. up top. I think it, they shot it for literally like I mean, six weeks. Closing down weeks the Tams is not easy. 
and there's a, there's and a there's nine a mile an hour speed limit. <laughs> it's like it's there, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 all very interesting. But um, is that true? Do they yeah. they they filmed it at nine mile an hour and I, they sped it up? I don't know I don't exactly know. how it was accomplished, but that's the speed limit on the Thames for boats. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I it's mean, they must they have been like, allowed to go faster for a small yeah. stretch. You said it was Bond, but even the keeping yeah, up. That was apparently the I, I don't, the IMDb trivia. Tribu- mm-hmm. At least I don't know if this is correct. But apparently, when the real MI6 heard that they were going to shoot the facade of the yeah. MI6 building at Vauxhall, uh, they were not going to do it because it was a security risk. Don't draw attention to our government buildings. And then the foreign ministers, somebody there, uh, was like, "For everything Bond has done for us, we can do this for Bond." And they were that's, like, "Sure, that's fantastic." Which shoot is the facade fair. of our building. Totally fair. Which is a fair point. Totally fair. In, in tourism, bucks alone. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I love that about. Uh, Great Britain. I, I I am not the biggest Anglophile in the world, but I love that all of their um, kind of all of their official buildings are from like six or seven or eight hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. I love that. That's the the MI six headquarters. It looks like a like a we just have to castle. love the. I mean, the history of that country versus the history. Like this country is a baby in comparison to the shit that that obviously yeah. has gone. So it's, it's it is really interesting. Uh, so this movie has fifty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Which feels a little low that's to me. Low. That's real low. I, I mean, I, I think for for this, which I think speaks more to this movie was not really embraced when it came out, which is why I think you see what happened with Die Another Day. It was embraced monetarily. I mean, it did mm. quite well, but it's just it feels like the lesser of the Brosnan movies, which I don't think is fair. I think there's more in this movie than people are giving credit to. Um, it's got forty nine percent from audiences, so take that for what it's worth. Did you see this in the theater? I did see this in the theater. I, I did too. Um, yeah, this was a special place in America because I think this was the first Bond movie I ever saw oh, on the big wow. screen. So oh, that really? was kind of cool. Um, so cool. maybe I'm a little blinded, but I remember being so blown away by it and and thinking this is what I wanted out of Tomorrow Never Dies and this is paying off so much stuff from Goldfinger or from Golden Eye. Yeah, Golden um, Even having Zukovsky back, like it was, I was yeah. ready for this movie. So, uh, so was Roger Ebert. Who oh. gave a glowing review of this movie. He gave it hmm. three and a half stars. That's weird. Um, <laughs> World is Not Enough is a splendid comic thriller, exciting and graceful, endlessly oh. inventive. Because it is also the 19th James Bond movie, it comes with so much history that one reviews it like wine, comparing it to earlier famous vintages. I guess what? that's part of the fun. It's ridiculous. Uh, it says, director Michael Apted. This guy is so fucking weird. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you. He was, he was, he was like my, my North Star, my guiding light my entire life Sam, when it came to how to talk about films. Me. And every week we come in with a review where like he embraces the craziest, most, most retrograde shit. I I, all right, but so just to, I'll read the, final, the, the last bit here. Michael Apted and writers Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and Bruce Firestein have assembled a Bond picture that for once doesn't seem like set pieces uneasily glued together, but proceeds in a more or less logical way to explain what the problem and solution might be. Bond's one-liners seem more part of his character this time, and Carlisle's villain emerges as more three-dimensional and motivated, less of a character than the evildoers in some Bond films. I think that's all relatively fair, dialed back, but I think, I, I mean, I kind yes. of agree with what he's saying. Yeah. Um, but I agree, also 100% agree with what you were saying. Every now and then there'll be a review where I'm like, What? Yeah, well, I mean, like, I there, there are a few things that are kind of popping up in my head. I'm mm-hmm. gonna talk to yeah. talk about the Eber thing in one sec. One is, I think, um, in the '90s and early 2000s, we were quicker to sour on franchises, and for whatever reason, in these days, like Daniel Craig's about to make his fifth Bond film, mm-hmm. he could make 
three or four more before people are like, get out. I think people are like, we want more Craig. Whereas at this point, there was a backlash against Pierce Brosnan's Bond. Because, right, so Connery made how many? Uh, six. And Roger Moore made? Seven. Seven. And Dalton made like three? Two. 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 Dalton made two. So I think and that- And Lazenby got one? one. Poor, poor George. Um, and I think there was a sense of like, basically, it's time to shit to get off the pot. Uh, after Pierce. three, it felt a little after bit like three, that. Yeah. and the fourth is I, the sense I got at least. You know, this is kind of a pop culture thing. The sense I got was, you you did you did your time. We could use a new guy, and I ne- I don't feel that with Daniel Craig at all, with the exception of a lot of people are saying Bond of color, perhaps a female Bond, yeah, but not at the expense of Craig. Yeah, no. nobody's nobody's saying this guy's had it. No, They're I mean, just saying like Craig we might be ready is. for something. Well, yes, <laughs> he'd rather Craig slit his wrists than do another one. Yeah. Like, uh, whoa, and yet here he is. I mean, the idea is essentially like let's let Craig make yeah. as many as he wants to make. Yeah, and then, and then next time, yes, and then you know maybe Idris Elba can can sub in. I mean, I, I yeah, I guess I'm just my feeling on Craig has more to do with story and less to do with his performance because Spectre, which I don't believe you've seen Spectre. No, I haven't. Uh, Spectre wraps up Craig's bond for all intents and purposes. It, it, I believe that it, it, it's the first bond film to really, or I guess we'd say the first bond series where you actually are seeing connective tissue and they're actually kind of yeah, too really much wrapping in itself. the case of Spectre. I, Spectre I, yeah, I, I said, uh, I'd seen all the Craig bonds. I forgot that one existed. It's, <laughs> It's not great. Listen, it's but like it's truly the strain not to get completely off topic and yeah. just do Craig, but yeah. Casino Royale takes you through an entire great movie to get you to the point where it's like now he's the James Bond 007 that you know. And we're going to play the theme away. for the first time at the end of the movie and you're like, "Great. Next one he'll be on a mission. It'll be just a great James Bond mission movie." And then you get Quantum of Solace which picks up in real time from Casino Royale and has him dealing with all the same demons and at the end of that movie, it's like, okay, now he's put that emotional <laughs> stuff behind him, and he's the James Bond that you know. And then the next movie out of the gate was, he's retired. He's too old for <laughs> yeah, this shit. Yeah. He's had it. He's done. And it's also a great movie. And then you get to the end of the movie. That's so funny. And he, there's a new M, and he walks in with the quilted leather door from the Sean Connery Bonds, and he's like, okay. Now he's the James Bond that you know. And then Spectre comes out, and it's like, this is the last James Bond movie. <laughs> and he quits at the end of it. And you're like, and the whole series is built on that's the words, funny. James Bond yeah. will return coming up at the end yeah. credits. Like, that's the magic of James Bond, is that every time it closes, there's a black screen with white font that says, James Bond will return. And the Craig series is like, James Bond is going <laughs> to grapple with some shit again yeah. next time. And they still have yet to give him, like... I think part of a my James Bond story. Part of the problem with Skyfall Inspector, I think actually is is the Sam Mendes of it all, who I think did a phenomenal job with Skyfall. It's the first time they've ever done that, right? Where a director has returned with the next movie. Ooh. Uh, I'm trying to think of Terrence. I know Martin Young Campbell's did done it. two. Martin Campbell's done two, but spread apart. He I don't know that bonds. they've ever done it back to back like I that. I don't think so, because even Terrence Young, I think, skipped one. Guy Hamilton's done more than one, but I don't think And they talked about Spectre being a Two part, like they talked about Skyfall, Spectre, and a, and a quote unquote third movie. That those three would be a trilogy, which didn't happen. John Logan, I guess, had a pitch for for three of them, and Sam Mendes sure. talked about doing three, and then Spectre. They jammed a bunch of it. To, my point here is more about like this is about. You mentioned earlier how Bond doesn't have a, a 
a continuity, right? It doesn't have a mythology that it needs to stick stick to. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you hundred percent that that's what makes Bond films great. And it's why Spectre and Skyfall do not work well together. It's why Spectre yeah. in particular has a problem because I don't want continuity in my Bond films. I, I want to go in. It's an episode, right? Like it's a one-off and I want to have fun with it. And then I want to get the fuck out. And you can I don't learn bring something about the character in the process. Right. Like, sure. That's what this, this movie world is not enough does pretty yeah. well. It's a mission, but it also still feels like it's expanding what you know about M. Yeah. It's expanding a little bit what you know about Bond. He grows. There's enough continuity with Goldeneye that you can bring back this character that was an adversary mm-hmm. uh, for Bond in yeah. that movie and, and bring him back and kind of bring him full circle. Yeah. So he helps Bond yeah. at the end of the movie. So there's there's just enough that you're doing some character work. And also it's a, it's a mission. It's a little like what you guys do on Supergirl to me. You know, like there's a procedural episode. There's a procedural story every episode. And there are characters from the, you know, really the what, almost 80 some odd years of of like Kryptonian yeah. history yeah. that you can bring in whenever you want to bring them in. But the, the, the goal, I think, week to week, you can tell me if you're wrong, is to tell a really good procedural story and have a little loose serialization that more or less speaks to her character. Yeah, that's something you can hang of, on to. Yeah. And there's enough of that where you can be like, I understand this Pierce Brosnan and James Bond. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's just enough continuity in this one. I think they, they got that really right. I actually want, at some point, to dive into, I don't know if it has been done, but it should be done, the forensics of who wrote what in all of these James Bond movies. Yeah. Because this is, the <clears throat> I think, the first movie that Purvis and Wade wrote, and they've written on every single James Bond movie since. Yeah. So oh, wow. they're doing something right, and those are, wild, well, the, those are wildly Barbara different. Barbara Broccoli loves them, obviously. Yeah, so, and right. th- those are wildly different tones and movies and yeah. plots, and that's everything from a Bond movie that I really, really dislike, like Die Another Day, to my favorite Bond movie of all time. And a lot of people give Paul Haggis credit for the dialogue in that one and, like, all these different things. But, like, I would like to see, particularly for this movie, like, exactly the rundown of who did what. Because when you look at it Well, because there's also, to to your point, um, uh, Dana Stevens, the wife of Michael Apted, did a pass on this. Um, specifically, yeah, I don't think they were married anymore. There are two but they Dana might not be married anymore. Yeah, but they were not married. There's Dana Stevens, the TV writer. There's Dana Stevens, the salon writer. This is, this uh, is the Dana TV Stevens, writer. the TV writer. Okay, yeah. she's, a, the, uh, she's American, right? Yeah, she oh. did. She I did. No idea they were she did for Love of the okay. Game as well, which I believe is 99. Which is 99. Is 99 Sam and, and she. So that's our brought, Sam Raimi movie. This year is the best. But what's interesting is, so they go to Joe Dante first, also American, which is interesting. They go to Joe Dante. They go to Peter Jackson. Both of those guys were approached to do this movie. Obviously, they didn't. Then, apparently, they went to Michael Apted because of his strength with female characters. They talked about um, Sissy Spacek and Coal Miner's Daughter, Sigourney Weaver and Gorillas in the Mist, Jodie Foster, and now uh, some Academy Award nominations. Some Academy Award nominations. And they brought in Dana Stevens to do an uncredited rewrite specifically on the female roles. Now, clearly, one of those roles... I think she had time for one of the female roles. (laughs) (laughs) Because... The other one, not so much. I, I was texting with Eric as well as I was watching the movie, and I think at a certain point it just became clear that Dr. Christmas Jones was just was unsavable. Yeah. So they were just like, fuck it. I'm going to focus on Electric King, and I'm going to do the best I can. And I think they did a good job with Electric King. I think that, I think... There's so Sophie much Marceau pathos brought to us and a lot of pathos. The, it's, yeah. it's so... She is, for my money in this series, maybe second or third... like. If you're going to take, 
Bond girls is a little reductive, but since that's the that's the, the term in use, she is one of my favorite Bond girls behind Ava Green in in Casino Royale, and she's one of my favorite Bond villains too. Spoilers. Um, she's one of my favorite Bond villains because there's so much going on that there's the kidnapping, the Stockholm syndrome. Her relationship with Renard is really interesting. Her relationship with Bond is really interesting. They introduce her like putting her pipeline around that. Russian Orthodox church in Azerbaijan to be like, I'm a woman of the people and she has a plan. And also she can ski like she's dope in this. She is. She's amazing in this. We should get into the plot of this movie. Um, We should. I have some kind of 30,000 feet above views of her as well. One, we should have seen what was going on because of her name. Yeah. Um, They basically give it. it it, This absolutely got me. I think, a lot. Most people don't see it coming, but they tell you her name is Electra, and they introduce you, you to her. She's walking at the funeral. Someone says, "Who's that?" And James Bond is like, "That's Electra King, Sir Robert King's daughter." And then the very next scene, you have you know Bill Tanner saying, "Someone close to him did this," and yeah. we only know one character who's close to him at that point. It's in, they basically tell you the ending of the movie, and you don't get it, it's which good. is fine. Which is fine. And and uh, to be honest with you, like. I didn't necessarily see it coming. I didn't really remember. Um, but uh, so aside from her name, yes. Um, can I throw out one other just thing? Uh huh. Doesn't she kind of look like Melania? <laughs> <laughs> she actually has a a Marion Gaultiard kind of vibe in this movie. Oh, I mean, in fucking uh, Dark Knight, Dar- French Dark Knight vibe. Rise, well, oh, a French vibe, yes. But, but it was a very similar thing to me. Then, in, all right. So this is the this is the bigger, better point. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Um, like it more than most people. Okay, I don't uh, dislike it. I feel like people are wishy washy on it. Whatever, it don't has get problems. Me I love the Dark Knight. I think that's brilliant. I love yeah. Batman Begins. I think it's brilliant. I think Dark Knight Rises was a uh, worthy third act. I really like Talia in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I really like that she was the villain. And I think that there's something in a Bond movie really wonderful. About a female villain with whom he's had relations, I think that's I think that's very sexy, and mm-hmm. I think that's a really I, I I basically wrote in my my notes the idea of the best Bond villains are women. Um, that's you know Eva Green is as well. Yeah, this idea. I mean, yeah, shades, in a way, shades yeah, of gray. A, there's a betrayal, yeah, but yeah, but I think that that's really wonderful and really really. It's, I totally agree. The sexiest part being weirdly. The torture chair, which has that joke that I definitely did not get when I watched this in 1999. She's, you know, she's got him in a torture device where there's a thing wrapped around his neck and she's tightening a screw and it's going to break his neck at five turns. And at some point she literally just says, you know what happens to a man when he's strangled? And then she straddles him. And there's no way I got <laughs> that <laughs> erotic asphyxiation yeah. sure, sure, sure. in this movie. Because I, I, I remember being like, I don't even remember this line. Like, and it, I had seen this Fairly recently, and I think I just keep I, missing yeah. it. I don't yeah. think I, I don't think but I caught it. Either, that one for sure went in, went over my head. But like yeah. that that scene well, between them is so great. Even shades of uh, Zinnia on top. Yeah, in the sauna, they're really big yeah, on, they're on on sexual him. strangulation. He's and into he's apparently into some bondage stuff. Well, the, you know the, the hey, it's the fucking bondage. Bondage. That's where he got his name. It's the fucking and fighting thing that I think is like I I think they get to something really visceral in the male. Psychology. I think this whole movie is basically about repressed, a British repressed id, and all these British people who can't actually act out their kind of ridiculous sexual and 
you know, kind of physical fantasies and they do through this, you know, one really dapper man who also likes to fucking fight he's women. The, he's the sin eater for all of Britain's sexual repression. It's basically, he takes yeah. that all on himself. He's yeah. all of the sin. That's yeah. actually, you know what you were asking earlier? Like, what do you, what do you think, what most draws you to Bond? Like, what's the mm-hmm. thing about the character that you look for? There's a moment in Thunderball, uh, which is not one of my favorite Bond movies, but he's in a hospital. He sees somebody pass his hospital room door. He's James Bond has been injured. He sees somebody pass his hospital room door that he needs to follow for the mission's sake. He walks out to follow that guy and then walks back into frame to one of the gift baskets that's been sent to him, like, get well soon, picks a grape off of it, eats it, and then goes back after the guy. And to me, that explains entirely who James Bond is, <laughs> is like, I could die at any moment, so I'm going to drink this nice drink. I'm going to have sex with this woman. I'm going to eat this grape. And like this movie does that pretty well. That's a really good That's really interesting. To the point where he like that subtext that has been subtext in a bunch of Bond movies for years becomes utter text in this movie when he's sleeping with Electra. And they've got the ice going and he's like, I take pleasure in great beauty or something. Yeah. Like he just, that's how he survives. And the last Electra point that I want to make Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This whole movie is just a thinly veiled retelling of the Getty kidnapping. I mean, what? It's yeah. not. It's not even yeah. the, the ear, ear yeah. the ransom, the I wouldn't pay, the Stockholm yeah. syndrome for all the money in the world is not enough. All the money in the world is not enough. Um, That's really interesting. It's it's yeah. it's there. It's there. I, I and and then on top of it, you know. So it's, for those who don't know, basically, John Paul Getty was the grandson of J. Paul Getty, the richest man in the world, I believe, and uh, he was kidnapped in Italy. And uh, J. Paul Getty wouldn't pay the ransom, and they cut off his ear, and then they let him go eventually. And that's kind of the movie. And they made a, a they they made the movie this year about it, and the miniseries Trust with podcast favorite Brandon Fraser. Um, <laughs> yeah, but even the ear thing, even the yeah, ear, she thing, got her earlobe cut off. And, and, but the idea that off. like John Paul Getty, who lived an incredibly tragic life after that, is the villain, is something you'd never do today. You'd never take someone who had to go through that kind of anguish, that kind of uh, trauma, and turn them into a a world, a, a, a like 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 a, like a world destroying villain, um, in a movie. But then there's but there's, a, there's a, this you know, whole interesting yeah. story going on on like the fringes of the movie that they don't really get into much. I I think so. I had the novelization of this movie when it came out. Of course. So I I feel like I got some extra, you always get some extra background material when you're reading a whole novel about something. Um, But like Electra's 
grandfather was the oil magnate and with no male heir he gave the empire to Electra's dad, who was not a part of the Azeri, Azerbaijani his family. Mater- his maternal grandfather, her maternal her mater- grandfather, yes. gave it to Robert gave it to King. Robert King, and and that was patriarchal bullshit. And she's fucking taking it back, you know, for Azerbaijani Azeri culture. Uh, I think yeah. it's maybe either or, but like, so there's a culture mm-hmm. clash going on. Yeah. There's something kind of interesting and matriarchal going on. There's like a lot going on and they barely allude to it, but it's, it's good. I think, I mean, I think it's a really, really interesting character. I think it's one of the most interesting characters, at least in the Bond films that I've seen. Um, but I, I do think that Sophie Marceau really does bring, like, I don't know why her career never took off. Like, I don't quite know why she never became a thing. Because she's French. I mean, really, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's super hard yeah. for someone who's not a native English speaker to break through the way of Penelope, uh, Penelope, Penelope Cruz, Cruz did sure, or sure. even a Marion Cotillard, who I don't really feel like broke through all that much, yeah, ultimately. But that's true. yeah, I think that's the main reason. I mean, MGM apparently wanted Sharon Stone for the role, which might have been interesting. I, I don't know. Sure. A little more on the nose. In, in like yeah, the, I think you would have immediately thought candy. she yeah, was you been like, a she's bad. bad. Or, yeah, she's bad. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the Bond song real quick. Uh, probably my favorite one. I like garbage. I don't know this what to is, tell you. This is top three Bond songs. It's a it's, it's a great Bond song. It's an amazing song. Uh, and it's a great video. I don't know if you've seen the music video, Not but it's a, a great music time. video. Um, which I didn't. Re- so basically, Shirley Manson plays this like evil cyborg who has a bomb inside her, and she performs at the end, and then the bomb explodes. It's it's it's, but it's well done. And I mean, I don't know. Uh, I didn't put together that she plays an evil robot on Sarah Connor Chronicles until I saw this music video. Oh shit. Because I thought to myself when she was cast on Sarah Connor Chronicles, I was like, why? That's super weird and random. And I'm like, Oh, she actually sort of played this role. Was it literally video. that? Even if they saw this video and they were like, it's it a might have been. character. It's, yeah. It it's kind of yeah, fun. It's, um, whatever. Uh, apparently in 2012, Grantland ranked the song as the second best bond song of all time behind only Goldfinger, which I mean, Air, I would have said. The, I mean, the I Citizen Kane of Bond. The Citizen Kane of Bond songs. Uh, Jamiroquai turned down the <laughs> offer to That's sing it. the Bond song. Uh, was it written? Was it written by someone else? Yeah, yeah it was written by it? David Arnold, who yeah. did the score. And then they the find movie. some great. Yeah, yeah. is and this the first some. David Arnold score? I think it might be the first David. He's, Ar- I think, Arnold my favorite one. modern Bond composer. I don't know if he did the Cheryl Crow one. I want to say maybe he did, but I could be wrong. Maybe. He might have done the previous that sounds, one. But, that sounds yeah. right. I think he maybe he started with Tomorrow Never But Dies. he didn't. But the first one, notoriously, was U2 and, and uh, yeah. uh, Tina Turner for Goldeneye. I think, um, I think it's held back. I think the movies are held back by the score, to be honest. Um, the same score every – Yeah. not just the, you know, kind of the, the big sting of da-na, da-na. Like, yeah. that's fine. I get that. Yeah. But um, the score throughout the whole movie yeah. is, is, is played to me. It's um by play it I mean it's 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 hackneyed it's it's overdone it's been done literally eighteen nineteen times at this point um and it does kind of cement this movie as backwards looking they're trying a little so they I think they looked too far forward in Goldeneye because they basically have like a very nineties sort of techno Eric Sarah score in Mm -hmm. Goldeneye and I think they were like okay too far dial it back. And so then they get to this David Arnold stuff, which is like, let's go back to John Barry. Let's make it a little bit more classically Bond, maybe to the detriment of it. Yeah. But he does it. Like, there's this weird thing in the boat chase where there's these, like, whoop, whoop sounds that happen in the middle of the music. And it does seem like their concession to, like, 
we're trying to do something modern and interesting, but at the same time, we've still got to play the James Bond theme. It's kind of at odds with itself a little bit. It's, a, it's a, like the rest of the movie. It's a little bit pushful. And another point I wanted to make about uh, the garbage song. Mm-hmm. It's it, well, How do you guys feel? Um, it's a little weird to me that Bond got garbage, Shirley Manson. Very cool band, but it's not a big mainstream band. And Austin Powers got Madonna. In the same year, but then they got Madonna the next time around for Die Another Day. Yep, well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's but, oh, you wanna die another? And day? I much prefer her die Austin Powers song to another her day. James yeah, but that's, yeah, I do too. Beautiful Strangers, great song. Yeah. But that's a really weird thing too. Looking lagging yeah. indicate the lagging indicator of it all. Yeah. Taking the person to the Austin Powers song yeah. in ninety nine. Yeah. That's bizarre. Yeah, and weird. I, you know, I the way I feel about Austin Powers is Austin Powers got lost, like lost reading its own. Press clippings. He basically at some point decided he was actually Bond, which is so weird and so terrible yeah. to me. But that's fine. It's weird that <laughs> it, it does kind of, to me. It does. You know, Madonna's always Madonna. Madonna's always you know kind of the queen of pop culture. And it's weird to me that Bond is something a little more subdued yeah. than Austin Powers. Yep, um, it's 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 true. Uh, and and cooler as well. And that much cooler. And that Madonna. I mean, on some level, Madonna doing Austin Powers was her meta thing too. Like for her to do something that was that sort of playful and silly um, was also a little bit off brand for her. So they kind of do make interesting choices with these. Like Adele is kind of yeah. an obvious choice and her song kicks ass and, and it's, passing on it's radio. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I love that song, but yeah. the Radiohead song is the Skyfall song or the Skyfall song. Skyfall song. Yeah. Skyfall is amazing. So I, uh, I think a lot of these bond songs I also think View to a Kill is amazing. But I, I, a lot of these Bond songs are just credit songs, and I, frankly, I would include this song among them. Skyfall is a, an all-timer. Sky, Skyfall is so good. But she they, could end concerts with that. But other than that, like, there is a weird, like, they did a, like, I really, really like the Chris Cornell one. I really like You Know My Name. It's not very Bondian, and also, like... Yeah, it's fine. What it's movie was that? Uh, Casino Royale. Okay. And it's like, Chris Cornell is not... The t- like it wouldn't be the choice you immediately associate with. Let's go get somebody to do this James Bond song, and neither would Jack White and Alicia Keys yeah, team up with each other. Like they and kinda, not a great song. They kind of make strange choices on these. Neither, they do. Frankly, neither cool garbage. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't exactly. remember it was them. Yeah. I was listening to the song. I was shocked first. I was shocked how good the CGI or you know the, um, yeah. the is it CGI the oil stuff? The oil. Oh, it yeah, looks yeah. so good. It's good yeah. Twenty years later to look that good. Yeah. Ooh, that was great. Yeah. The song. I'm like, wait, is this song cool? What's going on here? <laughs> it's real and then cool. It came, and yeah. I, I didn't look it up. I waited yeah. for the the title the credit card, to come up. Yes. Yeah. Even that though, right? Like the oil stuff holds yeah. up so well. Looks so cool. Yes. Tells the story of the movie. It puts you in the mood. Yeah. And then there's also this weird psychedelic '90s like tie-dye thing going yeah, on yeah. behind it like a kaleidoscope it's behind really it well that doesn't super sexual yeah. too but not yeah. in like but not in that like weird leering way like we get in the um you know the x-ray vision scene it's it's the the oil pumps to, yeah the derricks yeah the derricks like, look yeah. great yeah it's yeah. it's 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 a it's one of the better credit sequences as well. He actually I mean, got good title sequences, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Like the GoldenEye one tells the fall, yeah. the story of the fall of the Iron Curtain and, and yeah. the transition oh, out of the awesome. Cold War. It's, yeah, great. it's really great. And it's a cool Tina Turner song. And then Tomorrow Never Dies is pretty cool. This one's great. Like he actually got pretty good title sequences. I, I agree. Um, let's talk a little Christmas Jones and then we'll dive into plot real quick. Um, uh, so in early drafts of the script, the character that became Christmas Jones was a Polynesian insurance investigator. Yeah. Thomas Crown Affair uh, style. Which was, they felt it was too close to Thomas Crown Affair, so they changed it. Um, yeah. Tiffany Thiessen was considered for Dr. Christmas Jones. 
just as ridiculous. See, they, as but they were <laughs> they were clearly going for a thing. Yes, yeah. they, were. they were going for something there yes. that I don't quite understand. But a, like a, ba- a babe, it's yeah, like yeah. A, like yeah. An, American an American style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's. it's I, I will say this, and I texted this to you. I might have even texted to you as I was watching it. That I enjoyed how absurd she was in this movie. Uh, yes, she's not acting great in this film, but she's not given much to to really play with. But there's also sort of, it injects something fun and silly into this film that's necessary. I think the film would have felt a little flat without her, quite frankly. Um, I think that it, it gives some juice to the film when it needs it. You know, you said, I think it's about the 40 minute mark that she shows up or something like that. 55, something like that. Um, but there is something, Denise Richards apparently was attracted to the role because she found it brainy, athletic, and had depth of character. Now, I can't agree with the first two are true. (laughs) Yes. Brainy and athletic. Sure. Like brainy. In fairness, the, one of the most common criticisms that I hear or that comes up about Christmas Jones is she's in this Tomb Raider outfit. And also she's a scientist. And I do really object to the idea that a scientist could not possibly be sexy or could not possibly dress a certain way. So there is something kind of sexist in a different way when you say that, but obviously it's at odds with itself as a character. It's on the one hand, she's supposed to be a match for James Bond and she's supposed to be as equal and she's supposed to be so smart. And on the other hand, she's so objectified by the movie and they put her in a wet t-shirt at the end of it. Yeah. So it's true. So it's a very strange, like clearly there was some attempt made and also maybe it didn't. There's, there's someone and I can't put my finger on it, but there's someone who could have played this character and given all audiences what they wanted. Mm. Now it's not Angelina Jolie. I think Angelina Jolie would, wouldn't have had the fun with it that you needed, but I thought maybe um, she was obviously too young, but Jessica Alba would have killed this role yeah that seems about right she would no. she she can pull off the funny she can pull off the smart she can pull mm. off the hot she could pull off the you know the physicality of it um they're hard to find an, an actor yeah. an actress who can actually do this in a way because i don't think these denise richards is, is anywhere near equal to the task of being frankly being in a movie like this yeah. like i just don't think she's capable of delivering I the agree. lines there's there's times when she and again they're they're editing around her you know, there are times where where she's giving nothing, and they're just cutting away from her, or yeah. they're she's delivering lines. You know, I mean, they're making PDR. her say terrible things. Yeah. So it's not. Yeah. I wouldn't entirely land this on her, but there is something very hollow about Sucks. the way she says yeah. stuff. But like, it's it, well, it's all it's all exposition, and it's also exposition that means nothing to the audience. Yeah. You know, it's 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 yeah. nuclear jargon. Yeah. Um, that it's just it's a really brutal role, but I do think like a Jessica Alba would have killed it. I mean, she she was in ninety nine movies, so she was about seventeen or eighteen at the time. Five or six years later, she could have she could have yeah. done this. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Robert Carlyle because I, I I think that they didn't give him as much as maybe I would have liked. I think Robert Carlyle does the best he can with what he has, but the the the. You know what I'm just getting he doesn't at? Show well, up until like 40 minutes in either. He aside shows from up the late. hologram of his face. Well, he was nominated for um, the best of the f- first 52 supporting actors. He was for, for Ravenous. Ravenous. True. So he's true. he's a By very both of us. very well respected yeah. actor in this room. Yeah. I, I, he's so I, good. He's, he's great. He is, and, and I do think he's bringing it. I do, but I think he, uh, I think 
I wish that they just went a little a little farther with it. Me too. I don't know. It, yeah, it's, it's but it is what it it's is. It's also the compromise with him not being the ultimate villain in it. Like with him essentially being a henchman. Yeah. That there's a compromise that has to be made so that you can like service Electra. So it's a little bit of that, but I do think he gets a really good villain build up where they're like they tell the story of Me too. how bad he was and how dangerous he is and the thing about the bullet and how he can't feel pain and then he gets his little bad guy privileged point of view scene where he like holds the scalding rock like he gets more than a lot of these bond villains including a scene just with electra where he you're does just kind of exploring their relationship and he punches his hand through the glass like he, cool it, it, they have an interesting relationship i mean i again i think that electra brings out the best in bond and the best in renard yeah um which is again a testament to the fact that they wrote electra well but um let's get into the plot because you know we've been talking about this forever but yeah. um we open in at a at a Swiss bank in Spain as he's retrieving money from for Sir Robert King, a British oil tycoon and friend of M. Uh, Bond tells the banker that King was buying a stolen report from an MI6 agent who was killed for it and wants to know who killed him. Coming back to your point earlier, the way that Pierce says, I'm sure they're perfectly rounded to the female <laughs> accountant is <laughs> downright disgusting. Yeah. It is Gross. The delivery of it, the line itself, also he just the fact says that she's it in a just way that it's like, like he's raping her with his it's words. Horrible. It's awful. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, banker is killed. Assistant before as the uh, assistant takes off. Uh, before we can reveal the assassin's name, Bond escapes from the banker's office with the money um, using the blinds of the office. It's weird. It's weird. I don't know what that thing around the around the window frame is that he pulls. But there's to a then... lot of string. But you're talking about when he wraps it around the guy. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was super cool. But what it's was cool? The... But what is he? Oh, what is know. it? Who cares? <laughs> I... <laughs> Means to an end. That's why using this... a guy as kind of like an anchor. Well, there's the part where he stopped him in air and he's just like tugging yeah. on and then it. he's like, yeah. like pulling like, the guy. Why won't you go? Like. <laughs> It's, it's like it's, jump you're not that far from the ground it's cool but it's uh, that's actually why this pre-title sequence apparently is the longest in bond history yeah. is because it used to cut off there and test audiences were like that's so anticlimactic he jumped out a window on a string Duh. like i so thought they, it was so they really added cool. the boat and they <laughs> fucked up <laughs> uh bond brings many penny an incredibly phallic cigar Poor Money Penny. That whole me. scene is just is raunchy. Can someone run down who Money Penny is to James Bond? She is uh, M's secretary in the books and in the early movies, um, and she has this flirty repartee with Bond, but she's not actually. He has his own secretary slash assistant in the books, so it's actually strange that he has so much screen time with her because it's he has a lot of scenes with other characters in the books. Uh, but I think they just figured out that Sean Connery and Lois Maxwell, who played Money Penny back in the day, uh, had, had chemistry. Like, great chemistry. Yeah. And so they kept going and it became a hallmark of these movies. So she never really has a plot function. Uh, very rarely. Sometimes a couple times she's come out in the field to like well, help give him something. And then obviously Skyfall does a whole thing with her. Mm-hmm. She but no, him. she almost <laughs> she almost never she's yeah, she almost never affects the plot or moves that forward. Uh, the money is revealed to be booby trapped. Uh, Sir Robert King is killed by an explosion at the MI6 headquarters. Bond gives chase. That's cool and exciting. It's awesome. Uh, really he gives, he, he drives a motorboat out what seems to be a perfectly sort of window that has a, I don't know. It's like, 
it was meant for him to drive it out of there. It almost the, seems like a boat eject tube. It felt that way. Yeah, it was a very back cavey. It was. Uh, John Cleese shows up. <laughs> if you could see Eric's face right yeah. now, it's a little. He really hams it up. It's he's just yeah. he's playing for the cheap seats. And again, but, you know. not. I wouldn't say it's John Cleese's fault. No, because there's. It actually. Can we talk about Q real quick? Yeah, please. Yeah. So, guy playing Q in this, Desmond Llewellyn, has been Q since From Russia with Love. Oh. He's been in 17 Bond films at this point. Amazing. He's like the only one that has continued through, and he's still giving James Bond his gadgets, which is amazing. And this movie is, I mean, they must have known that he was getting old and thought, we better prep a successor. Let's bring in John Cleese. They did it in what I think is a really terrible way. But at the end of that, at the end of the scene between Q and Bond in this movie, which is a little later, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Yeah. But the main Q scene in this movie, he has that weird moment with Bond, which gets me every time now because he goes, I've always tried to teach you two things, like never let them see you bleed, which is not a thing that I would associate (laughs) with Q. That seems weird. And And always have an escape plan. And then he starts descending through the floor and there's this like, beautiful shot of him going down out of frame and he died a it's month a, after yeah. this movie oh, came out. Wow. In it's his accident. last bomb movie, but he didn't even die of old age. He died in a car accident. And so it feels like they somehow knew that was going like to happen. It's like the perfect way to write it. gave him, him this yeah. like nice send off. And it, it gets me every time because I've seen him in so I mean, many I think James that, Bond movies and it, they must've, I think that it was going to be his last appearance is my, my assumption. He said, he had said he was going to be in the next one and he was attached to the next one. Like they, oh, really? they had him booked for die another day. So it's so strange. I think to it's, me I they, think it's a really lovely, perfect, great last line. You can't ask for anything better. It's such it, a good it, it does feel so perfect. In fact, that you have to wonder whether or not it did feel as though the baton was being passed to Cleese. So we, and he's the only knows. one who shows up at the end. Yeah. Right. So, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the assassin. Then we have our 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 motorboat chase scene through the Thames, which is awesome. I think we all agree it's really yeah. well done. Um, there are moments in it where I'm like, I don't quite understand how he has the momentum to drive it like on the streets and make full turns. turns <laughs> and like, it's just like pretty sure you weren't going that fast. Yeah. But all that being said, uh, we then get to our hot air balloon sequence. Awesome. It's just like it. it it's yeah. just a perfect a foot chase to a boat it's, chase it's to a hot air balloon. It's just great. Yeah. Him coming up on the boat when the boat ramps onto and the island and he the, jumps yeah. out of it it's in the great. same motion and grabs the... It's, it's great. It's, fine. it's great stuff. Yeah. Um, then he's fallen. He's injured for the first time. It's a it's a real moment of, uh, uh, you know... Yeah. Vulnerability. He's a, yeah, vulnerability. He's a real person. It's also shades of they thought this movie was coming out in 2000 because he falls onto the Millennium Dome. Oh, that's right. Which they which just built for really the year 2000. Which is a big deal yeah. in, in London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't know why I don't <laughs> either. I kind of want to though, cause I've never done this before. I kind of want, they do some sort of tour thing where you can go and walk the top of it. Oh. So you can walk where James Bond was injured in world is not enough. So I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Robert King's funeral. We see electric King for the first time. Bond needs to be cleared by doctors before M will let him back in the field. So, of course, he goes to the hottest, most ridiculously dressed doctor yeah. that's ever been. Dr. Molly, warm flash. Stop it. That's real. Jesus. I know an a- an actual human being whose last name is Warm Flash. Really? I Holy swear smokes. to God. That, well, all right. Um, it's And it never, I mean, it always struck me as bizarre. Yeah. You know, one of those names, you're like, how is that your real 
name. I didn't even think this was a real name. But yes, Warm In usage. That's Warm great. Flesh <laughs> must be one of those crazy names that occasionally British people have. Or she's not British, but occasionally people with English wow. ancestry have. Wow. It's absurd. This doctor's ridiculous. Uh, he has sex with her to get cleared, basically. It, does it not feel like the, they the have... The underwear, s- the lingerie she's wearing underneath that lab coat is yeah. just like... What? <laughs> it really feels like they're playing it like they have a whole history even oh, before totally. this. Yeah. And then like he wa- she's so awkward when it's she walks so in weird. later to like talk about Renard. Like yeah. he's like super like stiff yeah. around her. And weird. There's also it's a like, moment when like she hey. gets called out or something. <laughs> And there's like a, a, a yeah, money exchange. penny is a dick to her. <laughs> money penny like throws her some fucking side yeah, eye. Yeah. We're just like Jesus. All right. Anyway, um, we have Q's exit. Uh, M reveals that Robert uses daughter Electra as bait. It's revealed that Renard is the terrorist that kidnapped Electra following an earlier attempt in his life. Bullet brain can't feel pain. Bullet which is brain. A cool thi- bullet brain can't feel pain. <laughs> When does the mixtape drop? <laughs> that's the song they could have gone with. <laughs> that's like the LL Cool J song. Yeah. yeah. My my head is like a shark's fin. I I think that it's actually kind of cool that he can't feel any pain. Like it's a cool bond. It's really it's cool. cool. It's, it's so a really cool. cool one. And it's also yeah. it's the kind of James Bond thing yep. that again that I really like, which is the grapes thing. Which is like if it's all about like the amount of pleasure James Bond can take out of life before he checks out, then here's this guy who cannot feel a fucking thing. And at the end, it sort of is sad, and you do feel for him because it's like he also can't feel the touch of a woman. Like he also yeah. can't feel love. Like it's like a it's perfect Bond sad. power slash weakness. They they almost used it for Tomorrow Never Dies. All right, so there is no in Bond history. There is no Moriarty, right? Bofeld. Who's yeah. Bofeld? The cat, the cat petting villain that Doctor Evil is mostly based on, besides Lorne Michaels. So he <laughs> he is pulling all the strings in the early Connery ones, okay. and then in Honor Majesty, uh, in You Only Live Twice, he's played by Donald Pleasance, and he's Telly Savalas in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and, and he's Christoph Waltz in, in Spectre, Spectre, which is the one you haven't oh, seen. There you go. Oh, and so he's also his brother. I sp- I spoiled such he's an anticlimactic brother? reel, Inspector. Oh yeah, it's wait. They used the they used the Austin Powers reveal. They did the Austin Inspector? Powers reveal from Goldmember. Oh, no, in a real <laughs> James Bond movie, and it's at the same time they crazy. also did the con thing from Into Darkness, where they pretended he wasn't yeah. Blofeld, even though we all knew he was Blofeld. I'm so happy I've never heard of this person. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Blo- Blofeld or Blofeld? Blofeld. Blofeld. Um, okay. <laughs> Kinda, so he does kind of a, cuts a, my yeah. point, but Renard. <laughs> Let's go anyway. Renard could He's be, never stopped us before. No, no, no. Literally, uh, <laughs> Renard could be the Joker to his Batman. The oh, point yeah. you're making yeah. about you know James Bond's living each moment like it's his last. It actually is. He actually is that way for Renard, um, and that's really interesting to me. That you know they are two sides of the same coin, and uh, mm-hmm. it's almost unfortunate that this guy is the secondary villain in this movie. I it's, I agree. It's actually so smart because Renard also points out his shoulder injury. Like this being one of the few James Bond movies where he gets hurt mm-hmm. is important, and Renard squeezes his collarbone at the end to yeah. like, look, you feel pain, I don't, and everybody's saying the entire movie like you're unfit to go out there because you're hurt. So there's a, a very plot like just grounded reason why the injuries stop him and why bond feeling too much is a hindrance. Yeah. But also everybody's challenging through the whole movie. Like you can't, Electra says repeatedly, you can't kill me. 
uh, and then at the end says, "You can't, you can't kill me. You'd miss me." And he shoots her and says, her "I never death miss." Is unfortunate because it, it doesn't really pay off in the way that I would have liked it to. But we'll get that's to that one in of the, a That's one of the puns that works for me, though. It's, but um, we then he goes. Uh, I don't mean to rush, but we do. No, no, no. We, we all have places to be and hard outs and what have you. But um, I think that uh, we do get something in this film that I love, which are Bond skiing sequences. So the Bond best. goes to protect Electra because he's afraid that Renard's going to come after her. And in the process, they go skiing together. And then we get maybe one of the best skiing Bond sequences, I think. Oh, for sure. It's great. It's it's fantastic where you've got like the snowmobiles on uh, the Parahawks. Para- yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. just great. Um, it's, it's great stuff. Uh, it's good because it tells you something about her character. Like the action sequences in these are better when they're telling you something. Like, sometimes character. they can not seem just, yeah. obligatory and this one does not. It really tells you something about her. They get trapped right. together. She's claustrophobic, like from the kidnapping. Which is all great. Like it's all good character shit. It's all great character shit. And it, so much so that the other set pieces, specifically the one with the saws on the, what it feels just like, this is cool, but like completely yep. perfunctory and doesn't actually add anything to your characters or stories. Uh, then we eventually go to the casino where we meet um, uh, Sarkovsky again. Um, we have our, our x-ray glasses. We have quite possibly the cheapest looking Bond set I've ever seen. That casino is some of the worst production design I've seen. It's unfortunate. It's really not great. Especially for a series known for its production design. Yeah. Known, like, sometimes primarily for its production design. Like, the bad guy yeah. in those early ones are Ken Adam... It almost feels like reshoot Wait. stuff, if I'm being completely honest yeah. with you. It almost uh, feels like, right? Are, are there crazy? Bond movies where he doesn't go to a casino? <laughs> Ooh, there must be. But usually there's at least like an obligatory hand play yeah. somewhere. That's um, too bad. Because you got to have him in a tux at one point in your movie. I always go to a casino in a tux. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's how you know is. that that's what you do at Pachanga. Yes. Pachanga. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. So, um, how cool would it be if we all rolled into just went, like, we're like, we're like, Isn't this what you do? Yeah. It'd be, it'd be amazing. You know, my son wears a tuxedo once a week. <laughs> that's yesterday, awesome. he, yesterday, he came downstairs in a tuxedo. <laughs> Because they were putting out a play where he was getting married, and he told us that uh, we should finish our drinks and beverages before uh, before we come. Beverages, because you, so you will not be allowed to leave while the movie starts. But he's in a tuxedo. Oh my god, that's things. incredible! That's so good. Yeah. He's so classy. He's a classy dude. He's a classy guy. Yeah, he's a classy <laughs> fellow. Uh, Bond and Electra have sex. They sleep together. Speaking of classy, classy <laughs> stuff. I here's I don't I don't know. There, there's there is a aesthetic it feels like with all the bond sex scenes that all feel very sort of almost like harlequin novel shit where it's like there's always gold and 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 it's all just very moody it's 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 like yeah, lace and gauze it's and fantasy weird shit and- yeah it's it's got yeah which i don't love because it feels i mean i guess maybe the only one that you and you're supposed to feel this love between vesper and bond yeah. And because that's the only one that feels that very different, that feels different and genuine. And so much so that when she does die at the end, you're, you're really heartbroken by her death, probably more so than any other bond uh, character. So this to me just felt like, again, another sex scene with it just, I wish that because Electra's a well-written character for the most part, I kind of wish they had gone the extra mile and made, and made it feel a little bit more emotionally potent, but it is what it is. Well, we're, we're, we haven't, We'd be kind of remiss not to bring this up, but mm. that's because women are just another thing to partake in for James Bond. It's true, right? Unfortunately. Like he's—they're just another grape. They're just another mm. glass of champagne, yeah. and that is 
that's the kind of kind of the the, the inherent conundrum with these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't spoken about it. I know we all feel it. This you know this pervasive misogyny running through these movies, and I don't really understand how James Bond. Daniel Craig's movies do it so much better, so it really isn't a problem there. But how James Bond, up until that point, basically got a pass from society for things like "Who Are the Bond Girls This Year?" Yeah, yeah. and everyone just kind of like getting on board with that, like that, like like they're Miss America contestants. I agree. Um, it's and, to very, not a very good look. In this movie, there thing, there yeah. are three you know three female characters who are totally objectified, including Electra, who is clearly more than just eye candy in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, and that is. It's not really going to affect my rating for this movie. I know what I'm getting into when I watch a Bond movie. Sure. But it is, it is a problem that I do feel like was course corrected quite a bit, certainly with Casino Royale. And that's one of the biggest revelations in that movie is, oh, we can actually have you can do feel it. something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we can have her yeah. be layered. We can have her mean something to the plot of this movie. And they have 100%. done this before, right? Like he gets married in Honor Majesty's yeah, Secret Service and end, Diana right? Rigg is Tracy and she's a great character and she has a very Vesper-like relationship to him and also dies at the end. Yeah. So we've been down this fr- road. Fridging Bond's women yeah. a lot. That's an um, interesting, that that's one movie that I've always kind of been aware of. First of all, the Lazenby of it was always yeah. kind of fascinating I think to me. Like it. Well, it's just why does, you know, it was always yeah. fascinating to me, like, why did this guy get one movie? So that's the one I yeah. kind of yeah. made a point to kind of learn about. It was also fascinating to me that they killed her at the end. Yeah. but And, like, right at the end, it's a real downer. Like They, like, get married, and they're, doesn't she get, like, shot by a sniper or something? They're just married Aston Martin, and they're just driving down, and then uh, they just, Jesus. a bad guy takes a pot shot at him, yeah. and it straight into her head. It's horrible. Jeez, um, I think so, I should watch that and, one. But it, like, strangely, like the the female characters they treat the best throughout the movie are often the ones that they kill. Like yeah. the ones that aren't super objectified in the way that other ones are are the ones that get Such, murdered. So there's a like shame. a really it's a real shame. But this is the movie where I think it's most transparent that at least Barbara Broccoli, who's producing these, is like making a real effort. Right. So Goldeneye, you have a scene where James Bond comes into his boss's office and M is a woman and Judy Dench says you're a sexist misogynist dinosaur in Goldeneye and it's like Goldeneye is also the first one where Natalia the quote unquote Bond girl in that one Bond girls are never introduced through anyone's eyes but James Bond's mm. and she has her own little prologue with her own cast of characters and her own life without Bond in it at all so she feels like a much more fully fleshed out character than the That's women really in these movies usually do. And then you have this one where they bring on Dana Stevens to do a rewrite on the female characters. Clearly, Electra gets the better, you know, end of that deal. Um, but you can feel the, like, the, the movie doesn't know what it wants to be because you also, they brought in Bruce Firestein to work on the Bond character, which I assume means adding a lot of sexual innuendo and puns. And that makes him leering and weird too. So it's like, they're trying. It's so clear that they're trying to be better. Even Christmas Jones being a nuclear physicist, like they're trying. Yes, which brings and it us is to just not always working. Doctor Christmas Jones. Uh, we get to her character. He's posing as a Russian nuclear scientist, Bond, um, and she puts two and two together. And I, I truly laughed out loud. <laughs> she, the way Denise Richards jogs into the scene on like the balls of her feet. <laughs> to say that he's not actually I was just like I, I don't know what movie you're in but I love it like I love yeah. what you're bringing to this I, I it's I just you, you I like enjoy the hell out of it I no I know I just, do you remember how she figured it out 
the, the Russian doctor. He's over 60 he's years 63. old. And I'm like, James Bond. Not actually, that Pierce off. Brosnan is like 63 now. <laughs> Guy fucking looks the exact same. Fast <laughs> for any age. I know. You She's know? like, you're not an old man. It's like, it's like yeah, all right. I don't know. Fast forward. This guy, uh, yeah. Then Renard drops a hint that he and Electra are collaborating. That he picks, that Bond picks up on, and uh, Bond and Jones escape this exploding silo with a locator card. Uh, Bond confronts Electra about her Stockholm syndrome, and she finds a way to navigate around that to not implicate herself in any of this evil doing, which I respect. Yeah. The fact that he doesn't put two and two together is absurd, but yeah. whatever. But he's like, I, "How could he have possibly known how to hurt me that I'd injure my shoulder?" And she was like, "Bro, you're wearing a sling." And <laughs> Half this movie, you're wearing a sling. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> on the wrong arm, by the way, from what I read online. Oh, I didn't notice that. Which I think uh, is kind of I don't know if that's true. All right. I could be wrong. Just the it, internet could be wrong. In my mind's eye, I don't think that's true. Pierce would have gotten that right. Uh, <laughs> so then, um, basically, they put two and two together. Bond and M realize what's going on. And Bond and Jones need to deactivate the bomb inside the pipeline. And I actually thought the pipeline stuff looked really cool. This movie lost me oh, at this, this point. That's when the pipeline, you were like, not I was right back now? for the last 15 minutes when it became lecture focused again. Right. But, but the, the Christmas stuff really did lose me. Yeah. I, I mean, I was it speaking. It seems like you could almost lift it, but it is like the actual in the tube. I thought that stuff looked cool. Through. Yeah, no, like, it, that, did. it looked that, cool. That's, that's it kind of reminded all me of really the getting. Mission Impossible subway. It had that vibe. Like it had that look. I just, I liked the whole, you know, ticking time bomb. Again, a bomb sequence in a tunnel, generally speaking, we've seen it before. But the fact that this was even remotely interesting to look at is a testament to yeah. the $135 million they had to make it. I feel like I read somewhere that the tube, the pipeline tubes were made of actual yeah. cardboard. Yeah, they weren't even made of <laughs> that's, that's Money some, well spent. That is some, su- that is some <laughs> Superman 2 shit. Yeah. I, it's I, great. Uh, it's great. It's a, I, I don't know. I love that shit. This is, I don't. I, <laughs> this is this is Hollywood. These are 130 million dollar budget movies. Like throw it on the screen. There is a little bit yeah, to this. There is a type of movie set that I do kind of have a soft spot for when it sort of looks like a, a stunt show at Universal Studios or something. Like which the, is like what the, the last battle in Superman two, which the, I just I can't handle. Yeah, they're you just know? flying through cardboard. Yeah, it's like, like all takes place basically on like one standing set yeah. and just a bunch of stuff getting thrown yeah people. thrown blown by wind yes <laughs> and it's like that and Chevy uh, loves it oh no i think that the I, guy I, in the phone booth blowing over in superman yeah. 2 and continuing his call horizontally yeah, on the well, ground I mean, is is full it's, it's, hard disc night yeah like, richard lester's like i don't yeah. <laughs> but I, I i think that movie could have been so good so and christmas discovers me so much yeah. <laughs> that half loop plutonium is missing they don't really know why bond lets the thing blow up how many times, Eric, in the series has M thought Bond was dead? Oh God! I mean, yeah, at least countless, what, but it's 12, the whole 15 plot times? of yeah, uh, and then sometimes engineered the death. Like, in, <laughs> and you only live twice. They pretend he's dead. For I mean, it's amazing. Reasons. It's a whole thing. So they think he's dead. Blah blah blah. Back at the command center, Electra reveals that she's the bad guy. She puts M in. She kidnaps M, um, and. I, I love that basically one of the first questions Christmas Jones asks Bond after the thing explodes is, so what's your deal with Electra? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
and then later, later, there's this great cut when Electra says, "Like, you know, it's a pity that you're gonna have to die now because maybe one day we'll meet and and we can yeah. become lovers again." And yeah. they just cut to Denise Richards, who goes. He just, just like makes some sort of <laughs> face it's, to react, but it's, it's like, like it's not even really an emotion. It's though. a weird. It's, it's not an eyebrow raise, yeah. but it's like it is. It's just it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, then we get our sawing helicopter sequence, um, which uh, you know looks expensive. Uh, Zukovsky basically dies for to save Bond. Yeah, which is kind of great. Yeah, yeah, that and again, not something that happens very often in this series. Like. There's more meatiness to this movie that's kind of There's thrown some cool away a little stuff bit. Going on, actually, right. I somewhere in the I watched this on Amazon, so it has like the X-ray factoids that come mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. One of them was, I think this is just like an IMDb comment or something, but one of them points out that they tell the backstory of Zukovsky getting that cane in Goldeneye, oh, and it's cool. because James Bond shot him in the leg. So if James Bond had not shot Zukovsky oh. in the leg once upon a time, he would not have had the bullet, the secret gun cane, in it's order to save life. Bond. Which he yeah, shoots his leg, which is so neat. He no, shoots, he shoots the, the oh, is it the off? But is it on his leg or his arm? Uh, I feel oh, like it's, it's his arm because he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Would have been nice if it was his leg. Um, then we get Matt dead. Then we've got a whole bunch of like nuclear. They're trying to figure out how he's going to use this plutonium. Yeah. or It doesn't matter. It's a whole big thing. But ultimately, we get the locator card. He's able to figure out where M is by using the clock. There's some weird mechanics of like trying to figure out where M is. But he's able to locate her. Because M's and that's, smart. And cool. Yeah, no, no. I, I, yeah, I wasn't a dog. No, it's neat. Like, it's neat that but, she gets to do something. And she's out of the office, which never happens. Right. Uh, Bond gets kidnapped by Elektra, and he's put in this chair that's got this big elaborate screw thing behind it that's that's choking him. She does have the one last screw line, which is kind of great. How, how do you think that chair got in that room? Not sure. Or why yeah. it was built, ever. Yeah. Well, torture device, but like... I, I don't know why throw you're... like a line at it, which is like, we found many beautiful vases, and also this. <laughs> and that's as much explanation as you get I for this chair. I didn't even think about it till right now. Yeah. Um, so then, so then basically he kills Electra for all intents and purposes and it's a little anticlimactic. He has to, to. it's sort of sad. Um, but now we've got a submarine sequence where the nuclear reactor is in the submarine. Walking through this movie, you realize how many set pieces are in this movie. There's actually a lot of them. Yeah. We probably, to your point, could have lost the pipeline sequence. I think, cause that's when you tapped out a little bit. And I think that that could have been tighter and doesn't matter. I don't need but, I don't need 45 minutes with Dr. Christmas Jones so we get a sex scene at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um and which Fair. is which is what I think happened, right? I think it is solely that they realized well if he can't have sex with Electra at the end of the movie he's, he's going to have sex, sex with someone. somebody. Right. So let's create this character. And they could have potentially if they really need that. And they kind of need that, I guess. I guess yeah. that is like part of what what this what this series does. They could have built the doctor. They could yeah. have yeah. they, they could oh, have totally done, yeah, I mean the medical doctor. Yeah, yeah, no, no, in totally. such a way uh, that that worked at the end in its own way. But. There was yeah. one draft, and I don't know how different the rest of the draft was, but there was one draft where she was the surgeon who took the bullet or who tried to operate on Renard for some reason. Right? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. And like that could have put her in the whole movie. It could have given yeah. Renard a target. Could have yeah, put, put her in like, danger. Like, that would have been. She could have been yeah, the one yeah. in the cage instead of M. Which like it is nice that M gets to do something, but it seemed kind of apropos of nothing to me. I agree. And like I, I wouldn't have. 
I wouldn't have batted an eye if James Bond just knew how to defuse a nuclear warhead on his own. Yeah. And then you yeah. needed some sort of medical expertise or something that she could provide to yeah. like save totally. Bond's life or something. Like, um, So we're in the submarine. There is a, a fantastic shot that I love of him swimming alongside the, the cool. submarine that just looks beautiful. And again, I, I'm obviously he was not swimming next to a submarine. It's, it's a seamless, beautiful shot that I'm just like, love that gets into the submarine, kills Renard. Um, after a lengthy fist fight in the reactor room, he kills him by somehow figuring out a way to shoot the thing out of the reactor into him. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. With a single air hose. With a single <laughs> But I do yeah, love I mean, everything he does in that sequence is cool to like James Bond is a naval commander and they rarely explore that side of him in these oh, movies. I didn't even know. And they should have <laughs> put they, him. Yeah, they didn't even talk about they that. They should in have put him in like his naval dress uniform, which they will occasionally do. Daniel Craig hasn't worn it yet, but I hope he does in the next one. Because um, I wait. I wait for the naval commander <laughs> uniform. It. It's the best. Is that like dress whites? Yeah, he has like his whole. Oh, it's a nice look. Whole, it's, it's a good That would have been cool. And like, so, and they don't do it super often, but he is a naval commander. And so they get in the submarine and yeah. he's like, press this button. I'm going to go out there. There's only one hatch that will access the room that Renard's like, he knows the ins yeah. and outs of the it submarine. Been cool if done and that. I'm like, pretty yeah. neat. All right. Eric, I want to, I have a pitch Okay, for you. You should write a bond. You should, write, at, you should write Admiral Bond. No, you're not yeah, a fan. No, you're a writer. Admiral Bond. You should write the, you yeah. should write the Bond naval great. movie. I think that'd be, I want it I'd so watch the shit out of that. I want it so I bad. All I, I Hunt for Red October with Bond. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, would be, how is that sound amazing? Yeah. You could set it in any time period. I would say, I, like, that's the that's point a, of the Bond thing. Amazing. Although I'm obsessed but, with the idea of a Bond period piece. Like, you, well, put him in the 50s where he was originally. Like, I, I mean, I'm so fascinated. Have just watched The Rocketeer. Like, I love this idea of they invent flight in 1908, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, less than 10 years later, they're dropping bombs and shooting from these things. That's crazy. I would love to see a submarine movie set in the 50s, and you can get it done. If you if put you Bond, double oh seven. This is on you. Awesome. I'll produce. This is on you. There we go. Let's this is it. on you. <laughs> I just want to read That's the very. That's what always say to me. Yeah. The very this last on thing on the Wikipedia of the plot summary of this oh, movie no. is Bond and Jones escape from the submarine via the torpedo launcher, leaving the flooded reactor to detonate safely underwater. Bond and Jones then romance each other. <laughs> <laughs> they romance each other multiple times. They do. According to the dialogue. Oh, God, it's yeah, the best. It's the best. Times. There's right. also... It's the best. Since it's this great. is a 1999 podcast, I feel like we have to say something about the line uh, when John Cleese turns off the feed so that yep. they can't watch James Bond yes. having sex having anymore. Sex? Yeah. And he says, must be a premature form of the millennium bug. We don't they talk have a about Y2K that. joke. We have a Y2K movie. Oh, I was in hoping this you would say movie. That. It's a TV movie, but we're going to do it. What's it called? You have to. I, I believe it's just called Y2K. Oh my god! Uh, and we have to just do a whole Y2K episode. So there was there was a Y2K preparation survival video oh that god. me and my friends <laughs> yes. used to after you and me, me and my friends used to watch it compulsively. Yeah, um, it started it started like Kirk Cameron or something before he became all Jesusy. Jesusy. We should do it, Phil. Are you sure Kirk Cameron didn't think Y2K was the rapture? I think he <laughs> – no, I, I'm sure he didn't. But um, – because I've spoken to him about it. <laughs> so let's – unfortunately, we have to wrap this up. But um, our ratings, 0 to 99. Who's going to go first? I'll go first. Yeah. Saw this in 99. Did not like this. Did not like basically any Bond do film. Do not like um, – <laughs> Basically, certainly didn't really like any of the – Brosnan ones, uh, though I think Goldeneye is fine. 
I probably would have given it a thirty-five. Um, wow. I like this much more now than I than than I thought I would, and uh, and uh, and it's kind of made me rethink Bond in general. That maybe. Yeah, I got a text from you that said, "Have I been wrong about Bond?" <laughs> <laughs> I, basically, the first thing I first thing I wrote is like, "Maybe Bond is good." <laughs> um, well, you gotta you gotta get your mind in the right 100%. right space for yeah. it, and I think I was. I think this is a pretty fun movie and a pretty good yeah. movie. I gave it a sixty four. Um, I'm gonna bump it up just a little. Okay, I think there's more going under going on under the surface than I had given it credit for. Sixty seven. Uh, I'm not going to go 69 like a fucking dick, but um, <laughs> 67 is the number. That's great. But this script I, definitely would have gone to 69. Yes, so. that's right. It's, it's interesting. I, and I'll, I'll just be quick about this, but I know you don't like spy movies. You don't really like espionage things, like things that take place in, I don't generally like spy movies that right. take place in countries other than America. <laughs> Um, but, but I, I, I like that Valerie playing. Well, I find them. I find. Yeah. 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 I, I love the Fair Valerie game, which was one of his favorites. Uh, I hate, uh, and I, I, I find them. I find that there's a, a weird distance. Sure. Sure. When you watch those movies, like, like literally spying on people mm-hmm. almost means that you have this incredible distance from the actual action of the movie. And I always find them boring and cold Bond is not quite that because Bond gets all up in it. It's not really a surveillance movie. No, yeah. but they're not really spy movies. And they're right? not really like action the, movies. And they're also right. they're they're tongue in cheek a lot of the time. There's a fun quality to them. Yeah. You know, I think that I I don't you know I I love the Mission Impossible movies, but they take themselves yeah. very seriously. I know you're not a fan. They bore me. Yeah. So I I and I I, I understand that. Yeah. Um. So I saw this in '99. I liked it in '99. I probably would have given it about a 70 in 99. Again, not a huge Bond fan, mm. but you know, I loved a lot of the things in this. It was enjoyable. Never watched it again. Uh, watched it, obviously, before this. I liked it a lot more. Wow. Say, I, I, I mean, a lot more. I'd say i give it a 75. Um, mm. And that's kind of where I'm at pre and post. I think that it... it uh, I think it's. I think it's a good movie. I think it's a good Bond yeah. film. I think I'd people sleep on this movie. Half of these movies. Like, yeah. As far as James Bond movies go, and I... You, I I love all of them, but I don't like all of them. Sure, if that makes sense, sure. right? Like so, and I love the franchise as a whole. Mm-hmm. In '99, first Bond movie I'm seeing in a theater. Have the novelization, right? Have been excited for this since they tease Bond 19 at the end of Tomorrow Never Dies, which I also fucking loved. The GoldenEye video game was a thing. Oh, sure, the GoldenEye right? video game is. This is I mean, we didn't touch that, but that's that's the this best. is that's like, probably the main reason I don't hate Bond. It's like a whole you cannot <laughs> it's the best. if you played GoldenEye. Yeah. There's a special place in your heart for yeah. Pierce Brosnan for it's GoldenEye itself. And that video game was his whole I mean, tenure. I can't. The hours and hours that people played that video game, myself I can, included. I still have dreams in the maps of Golden, yeah. where I'm like taking certain <laughs> corners that. from the video game That's that amazing. I can't get it out of my head. So, so what would you give in this so in 99? In 99, 94. Like, oh, okay. I, I was 11, right? Sure, sure. So uh, <laughs> now, but even then, I would have been like, I still liked Dr. No yeah, and yeah. other movies better. Um, but, and it was the Pierce Brosnan I was like waiting for in a lot sure. of ways. Um, but, I think coming into this, I was maybe a lot lower. I was, I, I guess, before podcast, I would have been like a seventy-nine-ish. Okay. okay, but I think talking about it is so much fun, and there's so much to unpack, and there's so much going on in the movie that, like, 
you can see the seeds of all the movies that are going to come out of this. Maybe just because the writers are the same, Mm -hmm. but like, there's a lot. M getting kidnapped is yeah. some Skyfall stuff. Yeah, like MI6 yeah. getting blown up is also yeah. something that happens in Skyfall. I feel like there's a lot of DNA of the future behind totally. this movie. Totally. And so I'm going to go to an 84. Great. That feels. I mean, I, I, I would expect your number to be higher than ours yeah. just because of your. Right I think our numbers like, are where yeah. they should be. Early, early or low 80s. Well, because you, you have the knowledge of this character that's just deeper than ours, yep. so you're going to get more out of it yep. than we are. But I still thought this movie was really a blast. Um, next week on podcast, like it's 1999, we're doing Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very excited to talk about this film. Uh, well, I am. I mean, I think it's going to be a very interesting true, conversation. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll say this on the podcast sure. and we'll talk about it in length. But yeah. outside of Charlie Kaufman, Kevin Williamson is the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh-huh. So I, I have like such, I love him too. Such a place in my heart for this person. Mm-hmm. This movie's not the, his best work. No, but um, there's a still a lot of interesting stuff in there's it. There's a there, there's, I just have such 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 affinity for the kind of things he did and still kind of does here and mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That uh, it's going to be a great podcast, and you know, really, podcast like it's 1999 is about ultimately things that we love, things that influenced us. And Kevin Williamson certainly falls into that. 100%. For sure, for sure. We're also going to have a guest on. um, Matthew D'Ambrosio is coming on, who actually worked with Kevin Williamson on Vampire Diaries. Um, So we're going to get a little, maybe an an inside look into that creative process a little bit. Um, But uh, I'm just excited to sort of, it's a weird movie. It's an outlier of a movie. It got kind of sucked into a bunch of stuff that wasn't its own fault in terms of the title, for instance, having to push its release date. There's a bunch of things that sort of existed that are not the film's fault, but then there are a lot of things that are the film's fault. Um, but we'll get into that next week. Um, it's a product of its time. It is a product more of its than time. most movies. What we do, hundred percent, and and yeah. So it's it's. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. It's going to be great. Cool. Um, Eric, I am at uh, Eric. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having. You're going to come back. Oh yeah. Maybe uh, maybe come on for a Wing Commander with uh, Sean Bennett. Maybe Ooh, Wing Commander. What movie? Might- what a movie. What a movie. Uh, if we can find a copy of it. I know. It's, it's not really, yeah. available anywhere. Maybe. But it might be a fun, whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out. a VCR. It's going to be fine. We'll find, it. we'll find it. somewhere. We found um, Omega. We found the Omega, the Omega code. We, we solved the Omega code, didn't we? I have two copies of the Omega code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. Because I'm going to need <laughs> right to watch now. one of them. Um, I'm at PM Miskov on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Kenny's at Nybart. Eric is at? Uh, at Eric T. Carrasco. The T stands for? Taylor. Like Coach Taylor, Eric Taylor. <laughs> uh, we are at podcast like 1999. You kind of look like you kind of got a little bit of. Uh, and also, Eric Taylor is his name. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.